listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! Mmm. This is a tasty burger. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Is butter a carb? We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Foodies Watching Movies. This is our fourth special during the official off-season of our show. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me back once again, the fellow foodie specialist, AP. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Full of food. Oh, yeah. I'm very tired from all the food. My brain hurts from... The food? This movie I watched today that we're going to talk oh, about. Yeah. And I feel like we just I, did this, There's a right? lot of stuff on the plate. <laughs> I feel What's like we up? just did this, too. Oh yeah, yesterday you and I had a podcast episode on Port 360 talking about all the crazy shit yeah, in the world. Yeah, let's hope uh, today's is a lot more upbeat, maybe? I feel like, well, feel- it could be more upbeat for the most part. I think uh, some of the things we're going to talk about today definitely have some less of an upbeat and more of a downbeat, but uh, it is Oscar season, so you're going to get that with movies. we got some food stuff to discuss. You've tried some shit. I've tried some shit. Oh, yeah. I've made some new stuff that I've never tried making before that I've been raving to people about that I want to talk about a little bit here today. So, bro, where should we even start in all of this? I guess um, since we both just had dinner, let's uh, let's talk about, let's, get, let's do some food first. Food first. What are you eating today, my friend? Uh, so I had, uh, I made some um, pork chops on the grill outside for Liz and I. So that was, that was nice. Mm. They're nicely seasoned. Cooked just right out. I love using the grill outside. It's just, it's nice to be outside, cook your food, bring it in and just have it. It's just, oh, it's good. Had that, some mixed veggies and then, yeah, just was able to enjoy my evening after work. I cannot wait to start grilling again. Right now, our grill is a little bit on a commission. I got to go get the whole propane tank switchover shit yeah, handled. Yeah, I had to do that a couple weeks ago. Uh, Lots of fun. But once that's handled, I'm, I'm excited to get back onto grilling. Uh, recently, I was telling you this a little bit off air, I've been using a cast iron skillet. We bought it for V for her birthday like two years ago, and literally it just sat in our cabinets and we've not touched it at all. Man, do you, and so far everything went smooth. You just had to rinse the dust off it and then get right to work. Well, not only did I have to rinse the dust, I had to kind of wash out a little bit of rust that had accumulated just from sitting. Oh, just the uh, which I didn't know can happen. Yeah, if it's sitting there and it has just the the moisture in the air and it's just going unused, if there's any any imperfection, it can tend to 
get a little corroded. So I just did a, a trick that I learned online. I put a bunch of salt into the pan, and I then took an actual lemon, cut it in half, and used the lemon like a sponge and cleaned the fuck out of the thing. And then, you know, I don't know if people know how to do this or not. So when you get a cast iron skillet, you have to uh, essentially glaze the pan. You're prepping the pan for always cooking in a certain way. Right. It's... And what you do is you take a vegetable oil, you get your uh, oven to 350 degrees, take your veggie oil, cover the entire inner surface of your cast iron skillet. You're going to put a tray under the cast iron skillet in the oven because you're going to flip the cast iron upside down. So while it's heating up at 375 degrees, it's cooking all of that oil excess off and dripping onto a pan. It's not catching your shit on fire. Mm. So once that's done, you can take it out of the oven. You need to make sure you're always, when you're using a cast iron skillet, at every turn, you're using a glove or some kind of thick cloth. It catches heat everywhere, even the handle. So it's super fucking, you know, permanently, you know, mangle you hot at any given time. Well, yeah, it's all it's all one piece. There's no there's no handle. There's nothing bolted or welded on. It's that heat. Anything that's that heat's touching is coming right to you. So I even feel like even an oven mitt. You're probably still feeling that heat. A little bit, and you have to be... I'm really quick when I'm using it. I know, like, okay, I have, like, five seconds of holding this before it's going to really start to cook me. So be quick and know, mindful, and... Hey, everybody, I'm about to pull the cast iron out. Stay the fuck away from me for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, you don't want to bump into that. You're going to have a nice third-degree burn on your arm. I touched it today with my pinky, bud, and it, it hurt really bad just barely catching my pinky. I was like... Yeah, I have I have so many scars on my body related Fuck. to like oven and like hot pans. Like not even Amen to that, not even brother. just working fast food. Like I have a I literally have like a a burn across like the middle of my forearm that's literally from like I went into like pull like a pizza pan out of the oven and just the edge of the pizza pan just like tinked past the oven mitt right on my forearm. Scorchman I was like ten years old and think still white as ever. <laughs> Fuck, you're like son of a bitch. Yeah. Gotta love it. Burn me. Well, so listen, getting our cast iron out inspired the girls. They're like, hey, we need something different. And we were watching MasterChef. That's my jam. That's where I get my most inspiration is just watching other home cooks figure their shit out, man. And can they do it? Can't they do it? And I always, when watching that show, get this like extra wave of inspiration. Like I want to push trying things I've cooked. And I feel like I've cooked a lot of the same shit over the past few years and just got really good at it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, to step outside of the comfort zone altogether, I was like, I want to make a risotto, and we should have scallops. We got this new cast iron skillet. I can get the skillet cooking. We can fucking put those scallops on there, get a delicious sear, make them like a fucking restaurant-quality dinner. Okay. And we did. Uh, And I want to really quickly, with uh, the help of Facebook land, where I put the actual uh, instructions and also uh, the entire, uh, I don't know what you call it, recipe, I guess is the word you'd say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just going to quickly give you guys a... Now, I will say, before I talk about it, I do at some point plan on filming myself making this risotto, because I think... Once you learn the way to make risotto, it is one of the greatest, most versatile thing. You can literally season your risotto anyway. Like, the next time I make this, I'm making a fucking crab asparagus risotto, and it's going to be insane. 
but that's not what I made this time. So this is a garlic shallot risotto. You're going to need a fourth cup of uh, finely diced shallots, a tablespoon of freshly chopped garlic. You're going to need butter, one cup of aborio rice, a half cup of white wine, three cups of chicken broth, and one cup of Parmesan cheese. Now I'm going to rock out these instructions swiftly, pay attention, and make sure you're following these instructions as if you do not follow these instructions. And if you don't tend to your risotto, you can burn this motherfucker really quickly. So in a large stock pot or a frying pan about medium high, medium heat, you're going to put a decent tab of butter in, add your shallots and garlic, and just start to slowly kind of give them a little light goldiness. You don't want the butter to turn brown, so you got to be swift in this process. You still want it to kind of have that nice golden color when it's crisping. And as it's happening, you're going to put that aborio rice in and make sure every piece of that rice, dry rice, by the way, not pre-cooked, goes into the butter. Immediately, you're stirring it around. Make sure the butter covers all the rice, every part of the rice. You're going to get the rice nice and coated in the butter and mix. And then you're going to add the half cup of the white rice, or of the white uh, wine. I wrote rice. I need to fix that, actually. Oops. Um, but you need a cup of the white, a half cup of the white wine to, um, you're going to, gla you're essentially glazing your pan. Also, you're adding a really deep, rich flavor profile into the risotto that is huge. I didn't think I was going to want to cook with white wine, and this was actually the first time I did cook with white wine. So, um once that half cup is in, you stir that risotto around and keep stirring until you notice most all that liquid has been soaked into the into the rice. You're going to do that same process three more times because every cup of uh, chicken broth you use, one cup at a time, make sure it gets sucked into that rice, then bring in your next cup. If you overload the rice with too much liquid, none of it's going to get sucked in and you're going to have a terrible time. You're going to burn all your shit. It's going to be miserable. Salt and pepper to taste. Boom. Done. Risotto should only take about 20 to 25 minutes to cook. So when you're right towards the end there, you want to make sure that with a medium-high cast iron skillet, you get your butter going. And you're going to put 12 scallops in, clockwise order like the face of a clock, 12 to 11, um, for 95 seconds on each side. And you'll start at 12 when you're moving them. So 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Let 95 seconds pass. Flip, starting at 12. 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 95 seconds. Pull them off the heat. Throw them into the risotto and get yourself food drunk, baby. Ooh. That, I, I've never made a risotto, but I am definitely going to have to try it. You're, are you going um, to share this on the on the foodies page so we can uh, so our listeners, if they're, uh, they revisit this later, they can uh, pull it up to follow along? Yes, that's a very brilliant idea, and I do want to do that. Uh, I will say, like I said, really want to uh, try to get myself filming making this because I watched like eight different videos, and I was like, I kind of think I have their technique down, but I'm not 100%. And then once I was in it, I was like, if I would have just known in the, in, in the video these little tips of confidence, I guess is the way to say it. Yes. I would have felt more confident to jump into a risotto like three years ago. It does seem really tedious. There are a lot of steps, of, but it's really, yeah. they go quickly. Yeah, it seems like a lot of steps, a lot of ingredients are like, all right. And some people, like, they don't have the time. But I think you, if you, I think if you made a video and showed, like, really how fast the process is, it might get a lot more people going. I mean, I'm telling you, bro. It shocked me how quickly everything came together. Um, we had a very nice dinner. We did some other things, French bread, and had um, some 
sauteed spinach um, as a side, and I'm getting fat just thinking about it. Like I'm over here, like oh. you guys get you guys get real healthy. Do do we try? We try. Do uh, do meal plan for this week, or is it like, hey, let's because uh, I don't know how often you guys actually cook on a on like a daily basis. Like, is it every other day? Is it daily? I I don't know. Actually, your whole your uh, dinner routine over there. It just it just depends. Uh, honestly, we for a while just because being on the road, all the different podcasts and all the other things we're keeping up with. We do eat out a lot. I'm not going to sit here and pretend we're the healthiest fucking humans on earth. There was a weekend. I think it was even... It absolutely was last weekend when the when the meeting was happening. We ordered the house of pizza twice in two days. <laughs> so I'm not going to pretend we're the healthiest humans on earth. However, we hit the kind of the burnt out sick of all the fast food points. And that coincided with me watching Master Chef. So since the day I cooked that big ass dinner with the risotto and everything, we've cooked at home every single day. We've gone to the store, get a few things here and there. What are we making for dinner? What are we doing? Last night we had a nice family dinner. V made, goddamn hands down, the greatest baked mac and cheese I've ever had. It literally brought a tear to my eye. Ooh. It had shallots, it had broccoli, it had a little bit of garlic, Velveeta, and and the whole nines plus plus the macaroni itself. It was so good. Oh, we ate every last bite of it. That does sound good. Oh yeah. That's I, I. I'm the same way. Like if I'm if like Liz and I are like doing something up eating out to eat, like a couple times. Like I just need to like cook something at home and like I just I can't eat out. You get so sick of it. Yeah, you you do burn out because like you go to McDonald's, you order the same four things because you know what you like at McDonald's. Right. They don't change their menu all the time, so okay, well then I'm done with that. Now I've got to okay, well I guess I'm going to go to Culver's this week. Well, I'm kind of over burgers now. I'm going to switch to tacos, and there's a couple local taco taco joints that aren't Taco Bell that we eat, so we have those and burn ourselves out on that for a while, and then it's like okay, we've exhausted all of our options. Let's cook at home. Let's just see what we can come up with, you know. And I think that's been. Um, Really, it's really allowed me to show my versatility because I haven't cooked the same thing two days in a row yet, and I've also had to do a fuck ton of dishes, which I guess is kind of the downside to cooking at home all the time. Yeah. But it's worth it. It really yeah, is. That's how I feel. Like when, like, because we don't eat out really during the week. It's just like a weekend thing for us, unless we have something going on. So yeah, but it's always like the right after you're like, all right, I have all the dishes I cooked with, all the dishes we ate with, any of the serving stuff. And you're like, all right, I. So you do the dish, you fill the other sink to dry, and they're like, all right, I'm going to load the dishwasher. And you're just like, all right, and then repeat cycle every day. Oh. I love that you added a step that I don't have, which is hashtag dishwasher. Yeah. I know of no such luxury. I, I know. it's. <laughs> I try not to use it, but sometimes it's just like, there's stuff like, I feel like whenever there's like, you're cooking stuff and you're like, you know, with like those greasy paints, I feel like even when like you scrub them really good, you're like, I still feel like there's like this grease residue on it. Yeah, and you need something to really like jet stream it off so, there. I feel so. It's like let's have this of like because sometimes I just like to wash by hand if it's easier, if it's awkward, and it's like all right, now that's done. But it's yeah, I just feel better having the dishwasher even if I don't use it as often. Like I barely used it when I had my apartment, but now I like now that you cook for more than just yourself, it really adds to your dish load. Uh, yeah, you're like oh shit, I, I kind of got to keep on top of this or it's going to be overwhelming. And I say honestly, when I'm cooking, if I do things in a manner where I have a little bit of walk away time, which I'll tell you again, just with the risotto, you need to treat that thing like it's the first, your first time making love to a beautiful woman. You just need to caress that shit and treat it with respect and don't walk away. Cause the minute you walk away, it's going to turn, it's going to get 
fucking Bernie. You got to watch your temperatures at all time. I mean, it's a it's very fluxing. But um, I was going somewhere with that, and I just lost my shit. It's all good. Uh, oh, I was gonna say yeah. If I have a couple seconds of extra time, I like to try to do some of the prep dishes as I'm cooking. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, get you know. Oh shit, my cutting board's done. Let me go ahead and just fucking wash that now and have it out of the way. That way I don't even fucking think about it. Oh, this spoon's done? Cool, I'll handle that too. Um, but, you know, also, you can get into a bigger dinner, and then all of a sudden you got like a hundred of those little steps, and you're like, I don't have time to do those steps while I'm also cooking. I'll get to you later. Right, so that's the time, like, when you have like three three things on the stove, you're like, alright, I can't, I can't turn away. Something's gonna, something's gonna change on me over here. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, there's another thing I conquered that I hadn't tried making before that I made, and I wish. I don't know how you would have got down with them. I think you would have liked them. Uh, I made stuffed jalapeno poppers, bro, for the meeting. Oh, I remember. I, well, I, when I listened to, uh, to the meeting episode and heard you guys talk about it, it did those did sound really good. I'm, I'm a, st- I like uh, stuffed peppers. So. Oh, dude, these turned out like I, I couldn't have predicted them to be as good as they were. So, swiftly, just to even quicker than the fucking risotto thing you're gonna like t-cut your jalapenos so you're gonna cut three quarters of the stem off Mm -hmm. or the top off and then slice straight down the middle you're gonna get rid of all the seeds all the ribs on the inside that's where all your heat's gonna come from that's where it's gonna get too hot and you don't want it to be too hot you want it to be right on the edge um once you have that all your jalapenos emptied out and all that shit you're gonna get your mixture ready your mixture needs to be this a uh, whole entire brick of cream cheese, a mixture of three of your favorite cheeses. You pick a cup of each, three different cheeses. You'll be happy. You'll thank me later. Okay. You'll take that mixture. You'll put it into all the jalapenos. And then here's where we're going to get really quick and swifty. We're going to put an egg wash on these after we flour them. So flour first on the jalapenos, then an egg wash, then another round of flour or batter. If you use a specific kind of batter, I use Kentucky Colonel seasoning. It's the best. Ooh. Then you're going to do another egg wash one last time into uh, whatever batter or flour you're going to have. Set it on a tray. Once all your jalapenos are done like that, you're going to take that tray, put it in your freezer for two hours. Then when you're ready to get ready to serve them, you're going to get your oil nice and fucking hot. You're going to drop your poppers in two or three at a time. Because they're frozen, your cheese isn't going to melt out into your oil, so it's not going to get all gross. They're going to have a nice, perfect time to just get melty enough. Right when you take them out, they'll melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Glorious. Mm. Man. And that's it. That's that's it. It's, I mean, it's just it's basic, dude. It's just basic ass. That's a thing. But they're good. I'll make them next time you guys come down Definitely. for sure. I, I feel like, Nate, you just need to have a, a chef blog on like a foodies page where it's just like Chef Nate's Corner where he just drops his recipes and his tricks of the trade. Man, shit, maybe I should. I just need a graphic of just like a cartoon version of your face with like a chef's hat on. Just be great. Oh my gosh, I need that too. I need to find somebody to make that happen. So it's like one of the Chef Boyardee uh, guys, but hysterical. just Nate. Nate Boyardee. Nate <laughs> and that's the episode title. Oh, okay, so uh, aside from cooking things, I've I've not really done anything that outlandish have you tried anything food wise new like outside of your comfort zone um nothing really outside my comfort zone i have tried uh a new um a new like processed food which was uh 
the pretzel pop tart I tried recently. It just uh, came out. I don't know when it came out. Um, a lady brings in um, a lady at my uh, at my work. She kind of runs like the little like uh, break room like snacks section. And she brought in these pretzel Pop-Tarts. They were the chocolate ones. And I already liked the chocolate of the regular Pop-Tarts. Because it's chocolate pastry, chocolate filling, icing, all that. It's just totally. delicious. But it, So it's a pretzel Pop-Tart. And it was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. It's 50 cents, whatever. So I tried it. And it's interesting. It's almost like they've just like lightly crisped. It almost like it was just like just baked a little bit longer. And it's just it's got that, that pretzel layer on top. And that kind of that feel to it, but still has the pretzel goodness. I did. I don't usually toast my pretzels. I just got used to the fact of just eating them, just fresh out of the package. And I totally and I and, and I really enjoyed it. I, uh, I had it once more since then, and it was good. And I know uh, you also had a, a pop tart experience. I did. I uh, actually the day of the meeting, I bought a pack of the new Fruit Loop pop tarts and it was really weird because on the package of the fruit loop pop tarts it's like throw it in the freezer and they're like i was like when did they start telling people to throw shit like this in the <laughs> freezer that's backwards i always put my pop tarts in a toaster oven i'm confused it's like freeze it take so, it out put it in the t- like what i don't what are you doing no <laughs> no they actually ask they tell you put it in the freezer and then eat it after 20 minutes and it's fucking delicious so i tried it and it's fucking delicious i was like okay it is really artificially fruit loops like it definitely is fruit loop flavored right does it have but i think that go ahead I was just going to say, but I think that it's missing the slight Fruit Loop crunch. And I know that's weird. You probably wouldn't typically get that in a Pop-Tart. But I feel if they would have had, like, with Fruit Loop pieces, it would have been next level. Just make the, make the pastry crust the give it that crunch. Oh, my God, yes. I feel like that's almost what you need. Almost like, like remember, like, the breakfast bars that are usually, they used to have that were just, like... Yeah. I feel like you almost need that, but, like, thin. But... Oh, and I will say they put weird ass art on the uh, the front of these pop tarts. They have like Toucan Sam and like printed on them, oh. and actual like Fruit Loops exploding and shit. It's weird. Yeah, I... branding. I did. I don't get it, but branding is strange, man. It's like all the weird Oreo flavors they'll drop on a regular basis. Like, I remember just seeing the thing for like the just mostest brought... stuff, which looked like it was like they came back, which looked like it was like. Like the equivalent of like ten regular f- stuffing in between the cookie. I'm like, how? Oh, like an ice cream sandwich level. Like, no, most stuff uh, just came back, and it's really it's two double stuffs together. Okay, so that's not that crazy. And it's important to say that it's the double stuff because most stuff the first most stuff i don't know what that one is the regular most stuff uh has a different icing on the inside of the cookie it's weird i don't really like it i don't get down but these the most is stuffed or whatever the fuck they are the mega stuffs or oh that's right mega stuff is what i'm talking about that has the shitty icing most stuff is the is double stuff times two in one cookie it's absolutely insane oh gotcha um it's a lot of cookie uh, but yeah, man, uh, trying 
different foods is interesting. Sometimes you win, sometimes you you lose, actually. Um, so that was us talking food first. Now I'm curious, should we just dive into all this movie jargon we got? Because there's, there's like two, really we could talk about three Oscar-nominated and winning movies today that I've seen and you've seen both that we haven't discussed. Yes. Plus the the winners of the Oscars, plus we have Razzie nominations that have just dropped. Um, so where do you want to go, my friend? Um, let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about the movies we've seen. Because I saw all the, the Best Picture nominees, so that was cool. I know you've seen three of them. So we can talk about those, then we can uh, we can talk about the, the Oscars and then the Razzies. Because I have not checked what was nominated for the Razzies, so that's going to be something I'll have to check out. But we can talk about it here and it'll be good to go. But let's... Uh, Let's talk about the movie you saw today first. That's probably the freshest in your mind. You're probably dying to talk about that one. Okay. That was definitely something that was probably outside your comfort zone. I don't... Okay. Uh, Where do I even begin for this? So first of all, let's preface this by saying that reviewing this movie is going to be interesting to me because I've digested this all day. I haven't really talked about it with anybody. These are just thoughts that are just set in my head and gestated until now. Right. And I'm like about to burst. So when we did the last special, we talked about all the Oscar nominations. And what I noticed was this movie Parasite nominated several times. I think it had like four or five nominations, yes. right? Or maybe more. They might, I can't, I, I think can't, it was, I, I think it was cannot, six. I don't know it might have been six, sure. So I know it's like best director, best picture, the new category of best international feature film, which is formerly the foreign films category. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know about soundtrack. It was, I, there, uh, there's it was film Anyways, editing whatever. and um, screenplay. There you go. AP's on the case. So all this conversation, and I was like, when you and I talked, I was mildly intrigued by this movie Parasite. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I, it, and then to just spo- yeah, it's a it's a it's a trip of a movie, and yeah, I I wasn't sure how I felt going into it either because I have very little experience with a with foreign film. Like I just I'm I I've not really watched movies with subtitles before. Like I've seen a couple, but it's yeah, like, subtitles for me is life. Right, because you probably um you probably delve into it more than I do. And we, and, and well, you and you and you put even, it on for like movies you're watching normally because you just want to make sure you catch stuff and with your with your ear issue. Yeah, man, it, it, exactly. You nailed it on the head. Having partial deafness in my right ear, coupled with sometimes people don't talk really super fucking clearly when you're watching a movie and you miss stuff, and there's little subtext of lines of dialogue that you might miss if you're head's not really in listening but if if you're forced to read it you're really going to pay attention that's kind of one of the things i learned it helps me to really suck the movie in more so like i said all this conversation about parasite i was mildly intrigued and then to fast forward just a little bit to what we're going to be talking about a little bit later with the oscar winners parasite swept it just blew expectations out of the water It, it, it it was just i was watching going holy shit holy shit and then Holy shit, and then holy shit, and I was like, okay, this is impressive. So as soon as the Oscars were done, I was like, I need to see this movie stat, and I started watching it, okay? And uh, that was after we had podcast, I started watching it. And I fell asleep, and I was like, fuck! I had got, like, just about to in the film where uh, 
there's the creation of Mr. Kim. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, they're going to be completely oblivious to what that even means. That's why I'm being a little bit vague. But the creation of Mr. Kim is about where I fell asleep the first time. So today I had a couple hours. I was like, you know what? I am just going to go ahead and sit down and we're just, you know, I'm going to go ahead and sit down and watch the movie unabated. Got this two hour window of time. You know, no one messing with me. Here we go. I, I, I go ahead, start the movie a second time. And I was really, really hyped. And this movie, bro, I don't know, you know, what your thoughts are as a whole. But after sitting on it, this is a very complex, like, deep, says a lot about society as a whole movie. Has a lot to say in its cinematography and what they choose to focus on. Gives you a creep factor that just blew me away in some spots. Has some suspense and horror that you wouldn't expect. Has some comedy in, in certain places. Uh, yeah, I, I, I loved this movie. I honestly think it is very well deserved of everything it got. Oh, I, I entirely agree. Like, I I wasn't sure going in because I didn't know much of the plot. I knew it was uh, kind of how a family gets involved with a, a more uh, upper-class family. And I... I didn't know much when that I knew it was a it was blowing up in like a lot of the critics groups and a lot of the um the uh the festivals it was going to and I was like, okay, well I gotta I gotta check this out. So yeah, I remember just getting into it. Like I noticed like within like ten minutes of the film, I was not even paying any attention to like the subtitles. Like I was in the story, it felt the the language barrier was gone for me. I was just I was in it. And then the only thing that like when I the only point that like I I bounced out of the movie and then bounced back in was when like Illinois became a thing and I was like wait what's what's happening now hold on. That was Illinois really State cool University and I was like that. I mean it makes sense but I I wasn't expecting to hear Illinois in this movie yeah you do it's really interesting because it is a foreign film it is a South Korean movie it does have some some uh, English in it. And actually, <clears throat> when I first attempted to watch it, Sarah was half in and half out, not really not paying attention to the movie at all. She was doing her own thing, and she just happened to walk in. And she's like, wait, did they just speak English? And I was like, yes, it's very subtle, but it's actually a part of the story. Yeah, it's almost like it's uh, like not quite like Spanglish, but it's almost like it's just they drop it in like a couple of words at a time. Like, because most South Koreans know English, it's kind of, or at least have some phrases they know in English, and they'll just drop it in. Absolutely. Uh, so to quickly weave the story in, Min is a kid who's friends with Mr. Kevin. We're going to use subtext of names here. Uh, he essentially convinces him to tutor this girl to hide. Uh, he gets in with this family and becomes her tutor. They lie. They kind of are scoundrels in that regard. He sees an opportunity, and he seizes that opportunity, and that's kind of the first act of the movie is this family finding a way to seize an opportunity to infiltrate yes and it go and then it, go ahead it goes it goes back to um this rock they got at kind of the beginning of the movie that was a rock that was to signify the landscape the, rock that was yeah. supposed to signify like wealth and like opportunity and so it was really interesting how in this movie it, one it's like it was always a a familial connection that led to each person finding their opening in. Min got Kevin, who then saw that opportunity to bring in 
his sisters by seizing an opportunity, even if it was some under not nefarious means. Because that's a little extreme, but they found ways to make things work beneficially for his family. And I think to to look at the narrative of this story, you hit it. It's not enough. It, it is kind of nefarious. Like it is kind of an ulterior motive game, and they do play some bullshit to put all the cards where they need them to be. Ultimately, at least in the first act, no one got hurt mm-hmm. from their decisions to infiltrate. Uh, nothing really had lasting effects, at least so we think. Uh, and you're just like, oh man, this movie's really kind of endearing and, and has some heart because it's like this family who wants to have money and they've just been dealt shit cards. They found this opportunity and they're and they're capitalizing, giving themselves an opportunity to make hefty gains off this rich family i mean it's it's very clever right. and it wasn't uh, and, it really, and it wasn't like they were doing bad jobs like they were they were edu- like they were doing each job that they put themselves in they all had experience doing that they may have lied to get to that point but weren't slackers by any means absolutely uh i think that act two is really where the movie starts to shift pragmatically and makes you just feel like there's a, a there is a deeper you nailed it when you told me I really needed to see this movie. There's a deeper get out weight. Yes. That hits in Act Two. Uh, you know, uh, Nathan Park's family, the Park family, they leave DeSong and, and company, they all go on this trip for his birthday, they're gonna go camping. Uh, the other our, our infiltrator family, the parasite family as it were, uh kind of really is like oh my god we have a minute to where this is like our castle yeah we can rule the castle they moved in and they really made themselves at home and like went all out with like i'm gonna use their bathtub it was uh it was very uh goldilocks kind of it was just like they were in food was theirs the alcohol was theirs every bed every room in the house was theirs and they were living high at that point and then there's a ring at the doorbell, and we get reintroduced to the housekeeper, and she's in the pouring ass rain. And my whole thing is like, this is life, bro. I'm just gonna keep it real. I don't give a fuck unless I'm expecting you at my house, or unless you're a very close friend. Mm-hmm. If you ring my doorbell or knock, I'm probably not gonna answer. Right. <laughs> so. I was just thinking to myself, don't answer. Don't fucking answer. I don't care who it is. Don't answer. Don't answer. Don't answer. I will say that had they not answered, I think the movie definitely has a whole different shift completely um, with how things play out in the next 20 minutes of the movie very swiftly because they do let the old housekeeper in, and then the movie, like I said, took this really crazy shift that... Uh, and I should we spo- spoiler alert this right now? Like this, we're heavy spoilers in this movie right. right now, folks. In case you're not wanting to see Parasite, right? And I really like, yeah. If you really want to see Parasite, if you get, even if you got to this point, because you before the, this next part, you can still jump in and enjoy this movie. But yeah, definitely skip towards the skip a little bit ahead if you don't want to be spoiled for this movie. Yeah, like maybe five or ten more minutes because yeah. there's not going to be much right. more on on just the overall arc because there's not a lot there. Um, but now that spoilers are aside, we get the reveal the housekeeper's husband is living in an underground bunker in the park house. Mm-hmm. And he kind of has just lived there 
ever since before the Park family took over this house, uh, they were kind of squatters. Well, because and, um, uh, the old. Well, because the 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 housekeeper she was with the previous owner, and he was the recommendation. Correct. So after the guy moved out, she stayed in the house and just yeah, she kind of squatted until the new family moved in. So. And the owner did not tell the new family, the Park family, about the secret bunker. So they have no idea. Right, because it was a, essentially like a fallout shelter. Yeah, fear of North Korea bombing, yes. right? Um, to tie it back into very real reality, because we are just in South Korea in this movie, right across the border is North Korea. Right, and, it, and it's definitely timely over here as well, because it is showing the strong class divide between the, the, the upper class and this... I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd call it lower middle class. They're kind of like low, low. They're kind of low class. Like they're just above poverty. They were like, they were in the slums, bro. Yeah. I mean, they were in a, a under basement living as four people, four full adults together, um, in the smallest of fucking space. You know, right? And it and uh, that kind of comes around again because you compare the fact of where they're living versus where they find um, the housekeeper's husband. Like, they were in one level, kind of underground or below, and then even lower than that is where the guy was living, which was, he basically was just in a dark hole that he got food every few days. And he's not really ever been out for however many years the Park family's lived Right, there. because he's, if he comes out, <clears throat> the loan sharks are going to get him, because they got in too deep from previous financial hardships. It's very real. It's, I mean, it's the American dream, but in South Korea, it's for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we kind of get the the uh, I don't even know what you would call it. Um, the mom, who's the new housekeeper, is chatting with the old housekeeper, and she's calling her sis and trying to like buddy buddy. Oh, because and then act- well, bef- before we really get into that, because we know. Um, because she reveals, like, she goes to the back and, like, opens up the the secret tunnel that they didn't even know about. Or the secret door behind, like, the wall of, like, pantry items, essentially. And then, In the basement where the prune juice is. Right. And, like, so they go down into the... So, like, them two go down, or she fall, finds her down there with us. And then, like, her family, who have been hiding up to this point because they didn't want the old housekeeper to know she was there. Because that lady and the... um. Mrs. Pot or Mrs. Park knew um, each other, so they just wanted to stay out of sight. But they kind of snuck down, following her. And that's kind of when the shit hits the fan because they're both um, chatting, and she's trying to like think of the new housekeeper to have sympathy on her and her husband, and like not tell him that they'll just give him food uh, every few days, and all will be well. I'll stay out of your way. And then once. Uh, the rest of the family falls down the stairs and you hear him say, Dad, my leg. She realizes that, oh, they're just as bad as she is. Or even, not necessarily bad, but they're taking advantage of the situation the same way that she was. So now they're on even <clears throat> playing field. She no longer has... Except for the housekeeper really has a whole view of the picture of what this family's done. Because she realizes systematically they took each person right. out. Yeah, that, that peach thing is... Like, how they... I think the the daughter of that family was like the, I feel like the mastermind because she had all the crazy ideas and all the forgeries and she definitely was the 
kind of the ringleader of that family. Yeah, she was just very. She was using her clever American brain mm-hmm. without having been an American. She was like, "Well, what would I do? I'll Google it. I'll see what the op- options are." Well, every chance you hear of an opening, ask the question like, "Why are there no peaches in this house? What's up with that?" Right. Oh, she's allergic. There's our opening. We're gonna have to just do some work. Yeah, as soon as um, yeah, as soon as she stashed her underwear in the limousine, and I did this. I did. I wasn't yeah. expecting this turn. I kind of thought she was gonna like. Give him to the give it to the guy to get him in a a more compromising situation that then she could then abuse, but I I didn't see the just stash it to get the family against their hired help. So that's that's when I noticed the turn, and then that's when they just everything else was related to all this. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and then like uh, you know, once they fall. And there are pictures being taken, and there's video being taken. The reality sets in that the uh, really the deep down slaves have now kind of become the masters, and they have power over Kevin's family. Right, definitely full blackmail. Oh yeah, just like at any second we're gonna push this button and launch the missile, and like that was a creepy the, thing when she like mimicked the North Koreans. Yeah, they were they were joking about being North Koreans, like. Full on, like, not sat, not satirically, but just like talking about how um, the great leader and all that, and how this button is just like, and like we get it because we're familiar with North Korea, and they get it because obviously they're South Korea. They they have their in like kind of the same boat we are in terms of all that because they're they get the brunt of all that. But it was very interesting and shaming them for what they were doing and. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. There was uh, there's so many elements in this film, but let's uh, let's keep discussing the plot here. So they end up having the scrum over the phone. The family just bum rushes the two, which is right. Of course, you're going to do that. There's four versus two, right. and one of them's malnourished, and quick, and a little crazy. Yes, a little crazy, bro. He is fucking full on bonkers, well, I mean, sp- and we're going to learn more about that I mean, later. You spent four years by yourself in a hole like that'll that'll make you go crazy oh yeah every day every night and then of course we learn that his uh one of his biggest secrets is he's who turns the lights on when the parks go up the stairs yeah that's messed up and then he also does morse code greetings the uh respect he has like the picture like oh it's it's oh it's yeah. almost like the it just he sees is almost as like gods above him, like they're who bring give him life, bring him food. He's doing his like it was scary, and it, it, when it comes around later, oh, just that that scream of respect still gets me. Like oh, oh yeah. Uh, so one thing I thought was really interesting is is that after the scrum, the phone rings, or kind of during, and this is where we see. Kevin and company really throw their plan off the fucking cliff and go off the deep end themselves mm-hmm. because they find out that the Park family is going to be back in approximately eight minutes from their camping trip that got canceled due to the bad weather. There is mess all the fuck over. You've got two people who were, well, the former housekeeper, her husband, um, both who know the truth. Right. 
um, really sticky, messy situation, and they want Ramdon ready for dinner with sirloin in eight minutes. Better get it yeah. going. Which is like a it's like a ramen, big fancy noodle recipe with like cooked meat. So you need all that eight minutes and then some to get that ready. Plus the house has been trashed oh, yeah. because they were living high. So they had like like snack food and alcohol and glasses, and they even broke half of it for fun. So there's just broken glass and stuff everywhere and they haven't been fully tidy like beds weren't made all that so they had to like go into crisis mode and they had also had to get the the two people that well they all shouldn't be there except the housekeeper but they had to get the two people that they that showed well the basement guy and then the old housekeeper to out of the way so they had to kind of incapacitate them and get them down to the basement or the bunker essentially and then we saw that everyone's trying to clean and get everything prepped. And the new housekeeper had... I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know all their names. They're kind of... I think Chung Sook is the new housekeeper. Yes. And then... Jessica's the daughter. Right. Mr. Kim's the father. Kevin's the brother. Right. Oh, Mr. Kim. And I, I love the American names that they just... But it, it's, it's, it's fine. But yeah, so they... So everyone got up there and then like... Um, Kevin had to put like the diary back in the girls' room because he shouldn't have been reading it, and that whole thing that still pisses me off is that Min was in love with that girl, and he just kind of swooped in and took o- took it over when he was studying abroad. He didn't. Kevin didn't practice ho- bros before hoes, not, man. Not at all. And also, and also he's like a little pedophilia there. Well, I, I couldn't figure out like how old he is. I'm assuming he was probably like in his early 20s and she was like 16, 17. Yeah, like he was like 20, ni- like 19, 20 and she was like 16, 17. Cuz he was a college still. student or yeah, that was our university. Yeah, and and yeah. she was still in high school about to take her exams and had at least another year of high school. So, and I don't know what how the rules are in South Korea, but still probably doesn't fly. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so, uh, really one of the most intense scenes, and this is what kind of makes me think this movie has some of the best thriller elements of all time, is the moments that the Park family returns. Yes. And all the subtext happening while that's going on. Because you've got three of the family members, Mr. Kim, uh, Jessica, and Mr. Kevin now, that have to hide yes. in the house. And at every turn they think they've got their out, it just things can't quite go as well as they would want right. them to. Because Kevin's originally uh, stuck upstairs in the bedroom. The dog spots... Dog is, like, all about him. The yeah. dog, he's able to... The girl gets called right before he almost gets caught. And I thought he was going to get caught, but she was going to think that he was there to surprise her and that she'd buy it. Yeah, and then they... I kind of thought that, uh-huh. but... So, but she got pulled away, so he went off and got down on the first level... They needed but like three of them, you know, with Jessica, Mr. Kim, and Kevin stuck under like the coffee table. Which I don't know how the dogs didn't find them there, because they had like three dogs. <laughs> they didn't I'm guessing they probably put the dogs up in like a specific room That's what I was thinking. in the nighttime because like, you didn't really see them roaming. Right. They were out at one point and then they were gone. So I'm assuming they get put up in a room or get crated for the night or something. Because it was late when they came back. Uh, obviously we get a very, very intense moment when DeSong decides he's going outside to camp in the rain. With his giant, uh, rocket TP. TP. Or no, it was just a T, regular TP. 
But it's okay because it was made in America, so it's not going to leak. I thought that was a the funny moment that she bought it in America. Yeah, I was like, it was. I was. I was. I was gonna say. Of course, I was watching by myself, but I was like thinking, might have been bought in America, but I bet it was still probably made in China. Yeah. It was the Native American thing was a kind of an an odd subplot there. The fact that like the kid was obsessed with. Uh, Native Americans and that kind of culture at his age, given where he's from. Dude, the odd subplot for me was that South Korea has a fucking Boy Scout. Yeah, that also was interesting. They had like a Boy Scouts and a Cub Scouts and how they all knew about it. Like, I didn't think that was an international thing. I, th- I thought they might have their own version of it, but I thought the Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts were very uniquely American. So that that was that was an, an interesting thing. And maybe it's as South or South Korea started getting more, um, not Americanized, but they, as they started getting um, a more like they, as they got yeah more like America, like China and Japan, as they kind of boomed, they adopted a lot more American culture. Maybe it was one of the things that they ported over in like the eighties. Yeah, I mean that makes Cause sense. Because was it because uh, uh, Mr. Park was also a a Boy Scout. Yeah, and he also had done some work in America. Right. Because if you look at some of the degrees and some of the awards, it was Nathan Park takes Central Park or something. Right. I mean, a lot of yeah, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people in like South Korea do go over. Like a lot of people in uh in Asian countries go over to America for education, then go back. So it, that was a. Uh, it was interesting and. Um, Did you catch the super ultra subtle? Um, Pink Floyd nod to capitalism. I probably did, but go ahead and uh, explain it for the rest of the class. So Nathan Park's company that he's working at is called Another Brick. Oh. As in another brick in the wall, as in the wall that divides us, which is capitalism and greed. Huh. I mean, you there's definitely the, the class divide, the... The smell of the poor was interesting. It was a uh, a running oh, yeah, thing. That, like sub basement smell. Yeah, the sub basement smell, and then like the the deep basement smell, which I'm assuming is just a lot of like must and sweat. Because because it, it first came up when uh um the the their the park's youngest uh dang uh dang's it's the song. the song smelled the uh Mr Kim. And the new housekeeper, and they said they smelled the same. Then it came later that they and Jessica too. Yeah, and they had to like all have to use different like talk about having to use all different detergents and but and then like it came around like how um, at that moment when they're still stuck under the coffee table and um, the Mister and Missus Parker on like the the couch talking about it how. They can he can still smell Mr. Kim how it's just that smell he feels it smells it wafting through the cars he's driving. That's the him. moment that turns, and that's the moment, in my opinion, that turned Kim completely evil. Yeah, it definitely that was like, the thing. It's well, that comes again later, but I think that's it bugged him because he it makes him feel less than. Yeah, like he he's only trying his best, and they're still finding something to make fun of him for, which is a very classist thing. I think we're going to be talking about in another about that in another movie, how people bully other people without knowing their story at all, and it's totally bullshit. Like that's what the problem with bullying is: you don't know where that person's coming from at all. You don't even walk in their shoes. Right. 
Like, I remember that, that, that um, whole point in the move in this movie about how about approaching the line but not crossing it. And he said, like, the smell was what kept crossing it. And then we get a very uh, awkward, semi sexual instance happening in front of. I thought it was hot. I'm just going to be real. I was like, damn, they're getting I mean, it in South Korea. Korean films, apparently. He was, but it, he, Captain DJ Diddles up in this I mean, motherfucker. Was lot, I was like, they're showing that on film. a lot of over-the-pants hand stuff on both parties involved in that film. Yes! Yes, over-the-pants handies for everyone. Woo! Yeah, And I was like, oh, this is what's happening. Okay. And then I was just like, getting some from behind the back. So I'm like, okay. what? I'm like, it's awkward for like Mr. Kim with both of his children next to him. Four feet from this happening. I will say there's with one their thing that youngest, me about that like, scene. Ten feet away out a big window with a giant flashlight. I'm like, oh, this could get <clears> so <throat> awkward so fast. Yeah, but I, I let me tell you there's one thing that bothered me about that scene. And it's going to get a little personal. We're going to talk about a little bit about bedroom etiquette. But let me just say that it bothers me that in one instance, Nathan Park is like, God, I can smell fucking stank-ass Mr. Kim. And the very next minute, he is twisted on that nipple like there ain't no tomorrow yeah i'm sorry but i would have figured out why the fuck i'm still smelling that smell before i'm making any sexy time happen right. because i can't be in the f- fucking zone and focus on the bang game when i'm smelling some stank that ain't coming from anything within the bedroom like what the fuck yeah that's uh that's that's that was kind of weird and it got a little inappropriate like you saw that underwear from that whore it's like buy me drugs it was like they were doing this weird like um kind of role yeah, play it was kind of interesting like that he would might have been mr kim and she was but it was also showing you something really dark though which was that the reason that mrs kim is always so zombied out and absent and doesn't care and can just go you'll you can literally put her in any plan and she'll be like okay sure let's do it it's because she's always drugged out well, I don't think I think that was it, that wasn't her. That wasn't she was impersonating the what they assumed the person that the guy was having. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, because they said meth or coke. She said meth. Yeah, who leaves their underwear? Like I understand leaving like an earring, but no one leaves their underwear behind. They were having this whole thing, so they were role playing the the limo driver. Good point. And the, but I I don't know why she's kind of. I won't say like a '50s housewife, just very kind of flighty and accepting of whatever, and emotionally unsteady. And yeah, it was interesting. I would say she's emotionally vacant for the most part, and I think that comes back to something we haven't talked about at all in the whole plot, which is this trauma that Desong oh, deals with. That was totally and real. It wasn't in his head, like. Correct, and I and you know what's really weird is that like you get the little tease at the beginning when Jessica mentions something happened when he's in first grade, which is totally her guessing and throwing shit against a wall. Right. Um. Luckily, it sticks. But then later, uh, after the ramdom has been cooked and the misses and new housekeeper in the kitchen chatting, she lets her guard down and tells her the story of uh, Desong on his birthday seeing a ghost. On his birthday, in the middle of the night, which triggered him to have a seizure. Yes, but I saw what he saw, and if I would have saw that, I would have freaked out because all you just see is like a dark, empty like staircase, and then just see like bright, wide set eyes just come like pop up. Essentially, oh, I would have not been well after that. 
Did you, did no, you put that uh, on like a six-year-old? Oh, there's no way. Yeah, fucking brutal, dude. Totally traumatized. So then this movie becomes like, he needs art therapy. He needs trauma therapy. He's trying to get better. You know, the mom's trying to do right by her kid. Uh, now you've got the old housekeeper who almost fucking bum rushes the kitchen and gets booted down the stairs, oh, R.I.P. that movement. Yeah, and that didn't... Ooh. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, oof, it was brutal. I thought instantly she was dead. I was like, oh, it's, she's oh, dead. I, I, she's, I, she's, uh. That kick, though, I was like, oh, damn. Because you just you just see her, like, topple down. And then, like, the new house, we were just trying to play off the noise. And I'm just like, how the hell? Uh. And then, yeah, once um, everything's business as usual, you see they're able to get out. And then you see... The guy in the basement trying to help his wife who's not, well, she's clearly super concussed and he's tied up because they restrained him in the basement and he starts banging his Sitting there watching her die on the floor. Right, and then he able to get free and then starts just slamming his head into the, the lights to, like, help. Yeah, he was doing the Morris Code thing again, and actually the song starts to decipher Yeah, so he got to, like, help M. And I was like, oh, he's he's pretty close. I don't think he'll know what to do with it. Yeah, because he's going to be like, help me from what? Like, that's a weird thing for the light to say. Is it the yeah, ghost? I'm just seeing, like, <laughs> the mark on his forehead, just the blood rush on his face from just slamming your forehead completely into, like, a switch. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was fucking brutal. Uh, so they go back to their house, but while this whole time it's been raining, hey, spoiler alert, when you live in a basement, dog, water goes down first. Yeah, well, this, the whole area, everything's built up so much that every, all these high everything was just going to slide off them and just keep following the, the flow of water, and I'm assuming the way Korea is, it has so many levels that all these big roads, everything's built up that all these, like, sub-level houses can get put under many feet of water. It was like the last 20 minutes of the Titanic in there. Plus... Yeah, like when in Rome, do as the Romans. When in Venice, your socks get wet. Plus a lot of sewage that got real gross real quick. Oh, yeah. When that did. toilet kept exploding. That moment where Jessica is sitting on the... Yeah. She's sitting on the toilet that's actually exploding in reverse, which is disgusting. Yeah, just like black liquid. Like, just like, I'm like, huh. And they're just trying to get like their like, items out. I'm like... Oh, I can't imagine. Like, your whole life is essentially underwater in, like, the grossest water possible. I actually thought they were going to play on the smell some more. And that they were going to, like, and I, I know they kind of do with Mr. Kim a little bit. But I thought that it was going to be a little bit more noticeable. Like, what's that sewage smell? Yes. And that was going to be like, oh, well, only people who would have been dealing with floods way down in the slums would smell like that. Oh, what's the, re you know, and then I thought that was where they were going to get the reveal. But what actually happened was so much more fucked up. Uh, yeah. So they have the song's party. They're going to have his big party, 10 years old or whatever I think it is. And he's all excited. And they're going to do this Indian thing, and they call the you know, housekeeper's got to do some shit. She stayed all night, obviously, so she stays fine. Kim's, but the other three... Yeah, Kim needs to go uh, drive the wife around so she can get, like, the cake and the some of the... All the yes, shit. alcohol, all that. And then, and then they want to invite the, uh, the two tutors to come. They'll pay them for, like, their shifts just to come and hang out and... 
be there because then Jessica gets roped into being a part of the ceremony for the cake. Yes. Oh, and we have to talk about how um, Kevin was gonna go. I think I can't remember why he went. Why he wanted to go down to the basement again? If he was, he was gonna do something. Well, he he talks to his dad. His dad. Mr. Kim had said I, he has a plan, but he doesn't ever reveal what the plan is. So then, you know, and they had talked about the best plan is not having a plan. So no plan. So then Kevin's like, well, then I'm going to have to handle it because those people are still down there. And I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Like, what if they get out? That would be even worse. Right. So Kevin, in a in a moment of just, I think, trying to do the right thing, you can tell he's very vacant. Like, he didn't want any of what was happening to, right. have to happen. He didn't want to have to have people captive in a basement. He just had that weird, unnatural you know? obsession with that rock. Because, dude, the minute men gives it to him, mon- monetarily speaking, they gain material wealth. Yeah, that quickly. Four, there are four salaries. They're able to have like internet and food and yeah, and they're just turning things around really swiftly, you know. So Kevin, I think is is planning to go down. I don't know if he's gonna kill this guy with the rock. If he's gonna tell the guy to go free and get the fuck out of here, and you know whatever, or check on the wife or whatever, oh. you know. Uh, that. but then, you know, Ke- Kevin sees the wife and she's like, her head has been covered with a black bag, which is fucked mm-hmm. up. I'm assuming she died. He just covered uh, it out of respect, but yeah. Cause he didn't want to keep, but when he goes to look at that, he sees face. the, you see that, that noose slip over his head. of like, Oh, Oh God, what's happening now? It got, it got super dark in this like last half. And super intense really fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cause you see him, it just grabs, just yanks him back and, Oh it was, yeah. And he tries to kill Kevin with the rock the first time, and Kevin pulls away from the pipes that have him like slightly trapped. Yeah. And he tries to get away, and that was a super again thriller suspense moment of just like ah, too oh, much yeah, tension. Like he, he's you think he's free, and then like the the uh, the wire bracket that he'd got free got caught, and he slips, just slams to the ground, and then you see a uh. uh What's his name? The, the the guy in the basement come up and just grab the rock and just slam it into his skull. I was like, oh, no. Domes him twice, bro. Yeah. And just, like, you see the blood, and then he goes over and just, like, grabs the jar of, like, prunes or grapes, whatever, and just, like, downs it, covers his whole face. Like, his face gets covered in, like, the, well, it's, like, got the blood and then, like, the prune juice. And then he grabs the... Glistening, yeah. And he just grabs the big... St- Dake knife and goes to the party and you just see him because you realize that um because before the the old housekeeper died she said a name and it was the name of the new housekeeper i believe yeah and he told her told him that she kicked her down the stairs and said that you know essentially she's who killed me just so you know when i die that's who did it and he's like i know for a fact and he's He's crazy, he's enraged, he's in grief for his the loss of like the only other person in his life, essentially, because he never sees the upstairs, the outside world, anything. And he's deranged as shit because he's been stuck down there for so long. He doesn't have a real touch of reality. I think there's a very beautiful moment where you see the guy who's in the basement. The whole majority of the film is in this dark, dank thing, and then... The first time he's in the sun, it's like the fucking most beautiful greens. Uh-huh. The colors they captured were absolutely spectacular. 
and then you're just like, wait a minute, he's at the party with all these people and a knife, and he's covered in blood. This is about to go and south no one, real And no fast. one noticed him at first. Like, everyone was too busy focusing on, like, the Jessica bringing the cake to, to the kid. And you just see him run, knife raised, freaking everyone out, and just gets her. Like, right in the Stabs chest. Stabs her right in the heart, man. Oof. And then you see um, the kid... Um, you see Mr. Park and Mr. Kim run out in their their headdresses, and then you see him immediately go. The song faints. Yes, the her his mom freaks out, grabs him. You see, like everyone's fleeing. You see that somehow the da- uh, the Park's daughter is able to pick up Kevin, throw him over her back, and like carry him off. Yeah, to hide, I guess, checked his pulse and realized he was still alive. You know, she probably went looking for him. And he had mentioned subtly he needed to go down. So it was like maybe a clue. If you don't hear from me, I went down, not up. I'm down. Um, Only one spot down in her house, down to that place where she obviously, you know, found his body all bloody. Right. And, like, you said he immediately, like, the housekeeper tries to stop him and he... um the guy from the basement of like attacking her and she like impales him with like a skewer of chicken kebobbed him bro yeah, like right to like the the side i'm like oh south korean kebobbed oh my gosh and then you see um kim's just at is just kind of frozen what to do because his daughter's essentially dying in front of him and he can't stop him he's almost catatonic and you see that miss park's yelling at him to like Get the car because he doesn't know that's his daughter. He he's a, he thinks that that's his driver and his driver's should, trying to help some lady, but he's trying to focus more. He's like, Fuck my family gonna get to the hospital. Lady. This like, is my kid. Yeah, like my son yeah. is unconscious. Every like we, fifteen minutes. Remember earlier in the movie, she said right seizures, kids. Fifteen minutes. You got to get him to the hospital ASAP. Right, and yeah, and you get to see um, so you get to see like his son being carried away you see his daughter essentially about dead you see his wife injured and then like the the guy from the basement gets just he's dead and then so kim runs up because he doesn't have the keys and the keys are under the guy and you see him roll over and you see him like get taken over by the smell of the the guy from the basement and that just sets kim off so he just takes him out mr park that was shocking i was not expecting that like so Everyone, that really sets everyone off. So everyone's just full-on fleas. And then he gets up and he runs off down the stairs past everyone. And then it kind of, it, then we jump for, jump ahead probably a few weeks. A couple months, montage, yeah. Maybe a couple well, weeks, and yeah. The, the seasons were kind of different. So it, it was maybe a, maybe more than a, maybe a couple months then. Because Kevin comes to being, uh, Interrogated by a relatively young detective that he kept laughing at because of his his head injury. He had no... He knew what was happening, but he couldn't... Everything was sounded funny to him. So he couldn't get... He, the guy, the detective couldn't get through the Miranda rights, and he realized that, like, him and his mom... Like, his daughter... Or not his daughter. His sister, unfortunately, died from her injuries. Um, his dad was missing... Uh, his mom and him were put on trial, and I feel like got, got probation. Yeah, they got a relatively 
sla- a slap on the wrist because they didn't actually they committed fraud, but they didn't actually hurt anyone. And, well, I mean, she did, but they had no idea the right. truth. The, all they knew is that um, after that incident happened, and they know that Mr. Kim killed Mr. Park, and they were related to Mr. Park, and it infiltrated this family. So that's all they were getting charged with. So simple community service. and So they kind of both went back to their lives. They both went back to the basement, if I remember. Like that Their old basement apartment. Or were they in a different... I feel like... Yes, they do. Back to business usually. I think they were still working with the pizza people a little bit. That kind of went throughout yeah. the movie because they were... Um, used the little Wi-Fi they had to do a pizza box folding thing for everyone and were using, like, YouTube to do it faster. And... But, yeah, so... Once the, uh, once the investigation everything kind of dies down and the trail goes cold for Mr. Kim... Uh, Kevin ascends onto the mountainside to view the old house. Right, because that was his uh, his last place he saw his father and thought like maybe he would see him or see some sense of him. And then you see the uh, the light in the house that was empty because obviously after Mister Park died, like the the rest of the family f- fled or moved or kind of disappeared because they that house is tainted to them now. Oh yeah, fucking trauma. Mm-hmm. So, but so the lights have no reason to be kicked on. So, it comes down to the fact that as Mister Kim was fleeing the the incident, he goes into the garage, into back into the house, and then down into the basement. C- closed the crank, used that to close the the secret door, and then just lived in the basement. It's been in hiding. We, we see the time change. The house eventually gets. Um, Rented by the German family, so he sneaks up, takes his life into his hand every couple nights to get some food to live on, and then every night he writes, uh, he does a Morse code in the lights to his son, hoping that one day he'll see it. The son made the decision that he was going to one day get out of the situation and make enough money to buy that house so him his dad can be essentially free to come up and, and live and yeah, it was. Uh, we actually see that too. We see the flash forward to what I think Kevin envisions. I don't know if it's reality. Right, that's one thing I was talking to Liz about after we got out of the movie. Is that was that in his head, like as like a, a was that something like he had hoped for, but we didn't actually see play out, and that was just him in his like in his wishes and his dreams that that what would happen. Because we have no idea if yeah he was viewing that perfect moment and thinking about that green luscious uh you know lawn right. Which, and just having done things the right way, you know, not kind of being a scoundrel like his family was. He wanted to, you know, that's why he says, I'm going to earn money right the right way, do it properly, and then earn enough to buy this house. He's trying to really repent because probably in his mind, he's super traumatized. He met this girl, he kind of half-assedly fell in love with her. He didn't probably really have luck with ladies in general, so just her presence was enough for him to be like, yes, this is love i guess um and it you know overall it just shows that like the the want for the character development Mm -hmm. there for kevin but the lack of actually getting the payoff because we get snapped back to reality and he's just writing the morse code back right we see him like on a bus listening to it and learning how to send the messages and understand exactly what was going on and it's still it's still 
really sad. I remember, um, it's kind of jumping back a little bit to when he sees his daughter's, uh, when he sees his sister's um, urn and stuff, and how it seems like their, their kind of mausoleum is a lot of like display cases for, because they don't probably do burials because of just the, the population. Not enough space on the island, right. bro. The population doesn't allow for it. So it's almost like it was just in a, all these little like cubbies essentially where they have to put like a picture in the urn and some mementos and that's what you get. But I, I would like to think that hopefully uh, Kevin's able to bring it out, but he didn't look like he'd aged at all. Obviously they're not going to cast new people or do the whole lot of the makeup, yeah. but, and who knows if his dad would even have survived as long because we saw how fast the other guy went crazy in just four years. It's not, the kid's not gonna be able to turn his whole life around enough to buy that massive house in just four years or less. But especially with no college education. So it it was definitely interesting and we get to kinda get to see the end. But I I loved the how you can tell every all the colors from when they were in like the like the apartment in the basement essentially to like at the house, how the colors really pop so much more. You get that sense of like Grass is literally greener on the other side, essentially. It was like panatone and monotone uh, for all the, like, it was almost like the blue Tim Burton filter, I guess. Yes. Anytime they were underground, but as soon as they were in, like, the dream house and they were in the the lusciousness of that, it was very vibrant, rich colors. You're absolutely correct. Right. It, it, but, I mean, I remember just leaving the film after this was all over... I was just in just awe of what I had just watched because it's definitely, it was a, a kind of a really extreme movie going experience. Like I, because Liz and I had seen a lot of movies, we did that whole showcase thing. So we saw all of them and like, I had to go from seeing that to like watching like 1917, but like, I'm still talking about Parasite. That, that movie was powerful, had so many layers. It had, I feel like a lot of movies in one, it was Definitely reminded me a lot of Get Out in terms of, like, seemingly normal, and then there's just that twist, that thriller twist of the film, and I don't know, I, I, I really enjoy it. It was probably, it, it was definitely my favorite film. I think it did deserve to win Best Picture. Might have been... I think it's one of the best pictures in the past several years. Right, definitely. And I it might honestly have been my favorite film of 2019, which is saying something, because I saw a lot of really good films in 2019. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, and just to kind of jump forward a little bit, uh, again, this movie's a history maker, man. Yes. Like we'll we'll get. I mean, the, yeah, we'll get to this when we get to the Oscars. But like, this is the first international film, first foreign language film that has done so well with the American audience that it literally it won the Academy Award, breaking a ninety-two-year-old record of never seeing a non like a non-American film win this award. It was absolutely stunning. It kind of fucking blew me away. Yeah, and, like, Bong uh, Joon-ho's, like, the nicest guy ever. Like, we'll get to it when we get to the, like, Oscar stuff later, but, like, he's definitely a true fan of film. He's big Quentin Tarantino fan, a big Bart Scorsese fan. Like, those are the guys, like, he when he was starting out, those were his guys he looked to and then got to, like, beat them and work, like, talk to them. It was... it. It was just a, it was a great experience, but I don't know, I I love this movie. I kind of hate the fact that they're making an HBO series about it now. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I've seen a couple things. Of course, you knew it was coming. They're gonna Americanize this shit because it's such a rich 
story and Americans are so deprived of having creativity they got to steal from other people right. just being real. I'm kind of hoping uh, it does, it's not like an American remake because I feel like obviously there is a there's a there's a class divide in America too but I feel like it doesn't have the same effect because there's not a literal like you can't I don't think you can make it play the same even with like a great cast. I feel like they should treat it the way they treat the it. The suspension of Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the suspension of disbelief that an American slums family could have that kind of quick uprising into an affluent family and use their wits. Right. It doesn't play. Right. Like, it's hard it's hard to make that. Like you've said this in like New York City, like for example, I don't think there's a place that has that same kind of effect of like this basement level cuz you could have people who live on like you can have someone like that who's like living on the street do it. It doesn't quite work and you could have someone living with like 12 roommates in a like a crappy apartment similar to like Joker for example but it's still it's not it's I feel like it doesn't have the same impact so I'm hoping they treat it the same way that when they did that um the HBO series of Watchmen kind of set it in the same kind of world but just expand on what they did in the film like use a different example or just build off of that foundation I think would be a much better use of uh Bong Joon-ho's time and the creative force he put behind this movie. And hearing the fact yeah, that man, Mark this... Ruffalo is involved, I think would is a nice touch because he his dramatic work is pretty amazing. I absolutely I absolutely agree on that, man. Um I was going to say something and my brain is just not firing on all cylinders. It's a lot of movie. <laughs> It'll hit it, it it is a lot of movie, man. It was very dense. It is worth it. Um, you know, like I said, I already read subtitles as life. So just being locked into it was just like, okay, well, we're, we're on a journey here. Let's check out this story. Right. Um, I do recommend all of our audience go check this movie out. It is so worth it. It is worth everything we're going to be talking about here. Yeah, soon. It's, it's out in a little it's out now because, uh, it came out like a week or two ago on like DVD and Blu-ray. It's on, not on streaming, but it's on like iTunes or whatever. So you can definitely check it out. And now that it's one best picture, go it's going to be everywhere. I definitely, I want to buy it and hopefully get some uh, behind the scenes stuff because I really want to know more about this. Because the fact that like, um, the house from like the outside, the whole like all the stuff that is actually like the the hidden CGI stuff they did in this movie is pretty amazing. Like built the whole house, all that was like a set, somewhere like hereditary, and yeah, it was it was good. I I, I definitely want to rewatch Damn. it. I'm trying to get my parents to watch it because they're not huge foreign language film people. So, but I think they would really dig this film. So, I, I want them to check it out. Absolutely, I'm going to be showing it to everybody. It is it is a little intense, but it is definitely phenomenal, and it's unlike most Oscar winners as of late. Yes, definitely. Like, I mean, obviously, you have like Shape of Water, which was a great film, also kind of a little a little different, and but like last yeah. year's when it was Green Book, which was a very kind of standard movie before that you had um shape of water before that was moonlight like but this i think was just a an astounding film that really caught the culture and it just everyone could not necessarily relate but everyone could feel these characters it wasn't no one was necessarily like a a mustache twirling villain everyone was just doing their best to survive in this crazy world we live in absolutely uh, I'm gonna go ahead and perfect score. It's a ten. Oh, hands down. Like, I mean, I I can't 
find anything that I was like, oh, I wish they would have done this. I wish this was a little bit more like the continuity was perfect. The way they shot everything was beautiful. The just ever everything about it, I I, I was jazzed on. Uh, so now, you know, we're not going to spend probably nearly as much time on the next two movies talking as we did Parasite, but I think Parasite's such a dense. Uh, kind of bone to chew on as it were yeah, it, that you have to really flesh it all right. out it, it, it definitely we could have spent the whole episode talking about parasite and maybe once uh sarah and veronica get a chance to see it maybe we could revisit it um in season and and once we get like the season underway maybe at one point we could revisit this best picture winner since sarah and veronica yes. have not seen it have they no oh, I, I i want to see what they see i know um kind of just moving us forward i know that the three of you did see another of the Best Picture nominated films. Lasai, Lasai. I'm so sad. But it was it was from I, one of your favorite directors. From one of my favorite directors, some of my favorite actors. I loved the movie. I, I kind of like predicted it pretty early on what they were what route they were going to take like once i understood the whole dynamic scope and scale of the story um and there was like very specifically one scene early on with scarlett johansson and i was like they're gonna come back and use this in a really fucked up way and that's why the girls hated the movie because of the 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 tease because I, I know when you no just the really emotionally manipulative way that, that movie kind of it sets people up man it it is it's a dark dense watch I, I still fucking love it I thought Jojo Rabbit was a um, a smashing success oh. for all intents and purposes I thought it was a great timepiece movie yes. I thought it was well shot I thought it had really fun humor and comedy like that uh that little chubby kid saying it's pretty bad time to be a nazi right oh now like God. that shit yeah got me those man. two kids um yeah, they, they they did the movie for me the um roman griffin davis and uh archie yates are basically they're gonna grow up to be nick frost and simon Pegg, but their their rapport was phenomenal like I, I loved it. I just like the every time they'd greet each other, they'd hug, and they were just they were so happy to like they were they were their best each other's best friends during a kind of rough time in world history. It's like I didn't think I'd ever see you again. Yeah. Ah, oh, just the, but yeah, and I can see what you're saying because I remember before you guys watched this movie, you you asked me like um, if there's gonna be an issue that I should prepare for for watching it with Sam Brown, and I said like. And I knew that point in the movie where that we'll get to, but um, where where the shoes became a prominent feature, I thought that might be an emotionally rough moment because it's it's a rough moment for a child and and his mother. Like, and I wasn't sure how it was right, and I didn't want to spoil it because I knew that was the that's when it kind of shifts from being a pretty comedic film to a pretty serious film. Like that's oh, yeah, when that's when the switch really happens because like. Even up to that point, he was, like, following a butterfly. And then it's like, oh, fuck. Like, that's... Uh, but... And actually, as soon as the butterfly got on the fucking screen, I was like, get ready, here we go. Right. And I looked at the girls, and I was like, you're about to see those shoes, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you. Well, the fact that, like... It's coming. Well, the fact that, like, the courier, they saw the... 
Yeah. Let, let's let's back up. I feel like we we can't jump to the middle and spoil it and talk. So the the whole plot of the movie kind of kicks off with this kid, um, uh, Johannes, who's like a, a ten and a half year old boy, who's a, a Hitler youth essentially, is about to go off to kind of camp essentially. He doesn't have a lot of friends besides his friend Yorkie, but he is he's obsessed with Hitler enough that. Hitler is his imaginary friend. It was very much like that comic strip with the little boy and the tiger. I kind of felt like almost. Yes. Like they get into shenanigans, he pumps him up and gets him into mischief. and Yeah, but that happens to be Hitler, who is played amazingly by Taika Waititi. Like, with the black hair, the slicked over, the blue eyes, the mustache, the whole nine. And it was great. And just... <laughs> you said nine. nine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And I, I, think, I think one of the favorite things I liked about this movie is that when it kind of jumps in, they use Beatlemania, but with Hitler and German versions of Beatles music. Yeah. I, I loved that touch. Very I was interesting. Because like, uh, it was just how everyone loved Hitler at the time. All the, all the Germans were just yeah impassioned by him at the time before he went full crazy. When he was... Spoiler alert. 2019 America, 2020 America. You're seeing it now. Yeah. It. Uh, the, yeah. This. But JoJo. Yeah. Go ahead. Is JoJo's at camp, and he tries to throw a grenade, and he does it, but it hits a tree, comes back to him, and blows him the fuck up. Yes. Before. And that shifts the movie a right, little bit. Before we jump in, we get. Uh, I just want to touch on the quick scene that gives the movie its title. So Jojo is a really nice yes. kid. He, like, he's a 10-year-old boy. He's just happy to be a part of something. That's, like, his his MR now. He he wants a place to belong because his dad's not really in the picture. He's just him and his mom. And he just he lost his sister, unfortunately. But So they're trying to teach them how these boys to be men, to be in Hitler's army when they're of age, essentially. And they want to say like, "Oh, do you can you can you kill for him?" And so they handed uh, Johannes or Jojo um, a rabbit that he's supposed to just like snap its neck to prove that like he can do what it takes, and he can't. So he like lets it go, and then the the like teenager uh, who's kind of like yeah, you know, like the the camp counselors essentially uh, just snaps it and then throws it, makes fun of the kid or makes one of Jojo as so much as he runs away and then gets the pet pop from Hitler and then thinks he can be like show them what's up so he runs up takes the grenade throws it it hits a tree bounces back and just blows him up and then it has a fun little scene of him like semi out of it on a gurney with Hitler like following him and then seems like a bloody hand and like faints and I'm just like oh my gosh what is this movie like it walked the line with like being I don't want to say offensive, but, like, there's a lot of Hitler that you got, like, yeah, Hitler, I get it, but, like, you're like, no, no, <laughs> like, not, like, agreeable, but it was just, like, enough that, it was definitely very satirical. Absolutely. And then, like, I love how they, uh, you get the intro to Scarlett Johansson's character, who was amazing in this movie, by the way. I thought she did a great job. Absolutely. Like, and I love the fact that, like, the fact, despite the fact that Taika and her have never worked together before this movie, despite working in the same universe of Marvel films, 
But they didn't have too much interaction. I'm I'm imagining up to this point. But no, no. But I think they definitely worked well. That like she embodied that character, and you get to see that like she's just a a sing a, just a kind of a single mom because the her husband's off uh, doing his own thing with the war. Um, you'll kind of learn more about that later, but. So you get to see him's just just there for her son. She's like calls like her her little cub. Like they have a nice little relationship and like matching PJs at one point and she's able to give him like pump him up even though the fact that like he's a little uh kind of scarred up and stuff. Like thankfully he didn't ever got like didn't lose an arm or a leg. He just ended up with a limb and a lot of rough uh scars, but for the most part pretty unfazed. All things considered. Yeah. But the fact that he's now uh, maimed means he can't... He can never fight in the war because he is now subpar in the eyes of Hitler and his army. So the the, the, the dream he wanted of being, like, in Hitler's, like, Praetorian Guard, essentially. Like, his, his, special, his special army is, is dashed, which devastates him. Because all he wants is Hitler to be proud of him because he sees Hitler essentially as a father figure. Because his father figures out yeah. around and probably hasn't been around for a number of years. Like I'm assuming, based on like the timeline and his age, that his sister probably died right before the war took off, and that's when the dad left. So I'm guessing yeah. he lost and two he central like... figures besides his mother, really close together, and that's when he decided like he once he saw the opportunity to like find more of a family, he kind of jumped at it. So we get to see him kind of go off. I'm going to kind of run through the plot a little more. So we can see him run off and um, you meet up with Sam Rockwell, who's playing like a a German general, I believe, captain. I, I forget. He loved his role in this oh, movie. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. I liked it so much better than his, his role. Well, I, it's, it's just funny. And the fact that you get the guy from Game of Thrones is his, like, I think his lover slash assistant. Yeah, uh, Alfie, Alfie. The guy that played Reek. Yes. You get to see him playing. Just they, they both looked like a lot of fun. That and um, what is her name? Rebel Wilson. Yeah. They all just, they they had fun with their characters. I love the fact that like uh, Rebel Wilson's character said she had like eighteen kids for the for the fatherland. I was like, oh Jesus! <laughs> and the fact that, like she tries to hand him a Ooh. gun when he's off to go deliver conscriptions for like essentially drafting other people for the war, and we get um. We get later scenes of like him, Jojo realizing that there's a Jew hiding in his walls, and he thinks like Jews are essentially like these. Well, they're kind of brainwashed into thinking these Jews are these horrible, um, almost like creatures of myth. Like every negative stereotype you'd think, or um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll let you kind of take it away. Well, I think the best way to say it is that there's almost a, like, monster imagery put over the Jew. Yes. Evil looking and, and sharp pointy teeth. You know, like, this this like whole paradigm of, like, all the, maybe the most... Uh, terrifying traits a human can have or whatever and that's not real and i love that it kind of is propagated the 
the Jew and JoJo's wall um, kind of fuels him to write his own little book. Right. And he's like, quote unquote, learning about the Jews. But what he doesn't, re- what she doesn't realize is all the bullshit she's feeding him. He's eating up his crucible. Right. And she's finding humor in it because, like the like the guy living in the basement, she's she she can't go out. She's kind of trapped. So she's finding some humor, and she's hoping that by getting this boy's trust, she can turn him because he's still he's not he's still a very impressionable age, but she can still break him from this brainwashing he's had since probably the last year or two of his life, which is a lot for a 10-year-old. That's 20% of his life, and just... He's got a a hard-on for his country right now. Absolutely. Uh, The thing I think that makes this movie's, like, bigger twist in the earlier part of the movie is JoJo following his mom and realizing she's part of the resistance. Yes. The fact that she's all... Because... They've had their arguments once, like, after realizes that, um, he knows that his mother's kept this Jewish person, that he realized that she's not as loyal to the cause as he is, or how he wants her to be, and, um, yeah, he just, he doesn't know how to feel because it's his mom, he loves her, but he feels like what she's doing is wrong in his eyes, and it's, it's a really interesting story, and you get... I think my favorite scene in the movie comes out when they're, um, he's being disrespectful to her and says, like, I wish my father was here and all this. And she's like, you want your father? And she goes over, gets soot from the, uh, the fireplace, puts essentially a beard on, grabs his, uh, his, his coat, and then, like, yells at the boy in, like, his dad's voice. And then, like... And then she has this like funny little like back and forth with herself, and it's just it's so heartwarming. You know that she's struggling to be like a single parent, that she wants him back, and it. I, I think it was a beautiful scene. The fact that like she kind of dances with herself, and it. You think it would be really silly and stupid, but it just it was very heartwarming. And when she brings the kid over, when she brings JoJo over, and they dance, it, I that was probably my favorite scene in the film. Yeah, it was very touching. Uh, Scarlet just killed it in every scene she was in in this movie, for sure. Oh, yes. Uh, and, I mean, I didn't I didn't see the dense-ass marriage story. I don't need that kind oh, of negativity in my life. I watched but, it. Liz and I hated that movie. It, it has to just really, like, fuck your mental up being in a relationship with somebody. And you guys being married, especially watching a movie that's, like, a total de-evolution of a relationship you're just like oh right. well it's gross to me it, it just yeah that whole she the fact that like she got more um well she was a double nominee for um actress and supporting for both of these films so actress for marriage story and then supporting for this and i thought her work in this film was night and day better than what she did in uh marriage story so i don't know it just wasn't my type of movie like it seemed like they were making mountains out of mohills in that movie, but n- enough about uh, Marriage Story. It's on Netflix if you want to check it out, but it, for me it wasn't really worth the time. I know a lot of people did like it, but me and my wife did not you enjoy want, that. If you want yeah. if you want to watch two hours of fucking people yelling at each other, watch Uncut Gems. It's a much better movie. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that. It's going to fuck you up, I, heard that, I, I can't wait for you to text yeah, I think me. Liz and I are going to watch that. Maybe after maybe on Friday after our Valentine's Day dinner we might do that. Oh, 
You know what we're doing for Valentine's Day? What you doing? Going to medieval times like a motherfucker. Oh, you're going to the one um out in Schaumburg? Schaumburg. That's funny. Yeah. It, it's it's a it's it's always a cool place. Get, get your yeah, mead and your chicken. That that that'll be fun. And you've been, I'm assuming, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fun. It is fun. You get a big ass piece of chicken. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. But um So, um, but kind of getting back to Jojo. So, after we see after the point that, um, yeah, after he has the moment with his, he's kind of. You see that there's the, slowly the change. He starts like kind of falling for the Jewish girl. It's a, it's a it's a boyhood crush essentially. Yeah, he's using the uh, the book alleged boyfriend Nathan as a uh, some sort of oh, yeah. sticking point the against fiance. her, which she knows the truth. I've got I've gotten yeah, fat she... and bald since we last spoke, and um, yeah, it, that it was just pretty. It was just it, what what a little kid would do to a crush. It's just you gotta you just hate the the other guy, and even though you had zero chance to begin with, and that was really cute, and um, we had to see the Gestapo, Gestapo. Uh, show up. Yeah, they stop showed up. Yeah, that was the 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 greeting of the Hail Hitler was just like every time someone new came in, it started the Hitler. whole chain again. Hail Hitler. Hail Hitler. Hail Hitler. Yeah, I love that. Hitler. And then like, I will say, the lead of the Gestapo. Real quick side note: I just saw him in another like movie that recently actor. that you he's also so saw. He's so tall, but he's so funny. Yeah, but he was in Good uh, Good Boys. Yes, he was the guy who bought the sex. He's the guy. That- or tr- yep. Or yeah, he bought this. Yeah, the CPR doll. Yes, the CPR doll. Why is it sticky? I don't. I don't know. Oh my god, Ew. that movie was funny but weird. Um, but yeah, so we have to see him and um, to kind of prevent because they he's getting more questioned and they think it's so. Um, the Jewish girl um, Elsa decides to impersonate the sister that had passed because they're the same age. They were school friends. So she puts on her clothes and just pretends and is able to trick it with the help of Sam Rockwell's character. And that was a nice moment that they realized that not all Nazis are bad, essentially. Yeah, and maybe he was slightly in on understanding the resistance, you know? Like, he understood what was really going on. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I think he had a, a, a really strong connection with... Um, jojo's mother like they had they had a good relationship it was it was definitely a little playful like i don't think there was any like romance in there but i think they had an understanding and um maybe a friendship so maybe he was almost like a mole inside he maybe that's kind of why he kept screwing up because he wanted to to damage their side of things essentially yeah self-sabotage yes so but we get to see that that he did what he could and then we see that um, we come to find out um, that um, his mother, unfortunately, is is found out uh, by the Gestapo or whoever on the military side, and she is uh, unfortunately um, hung in the town square as a traitor to the country. And that's when Jojo yep. finds her. He follows a butterfly while um, like walking the neighborhood, and just. Falls a butterfly into the hood and then like looks up and then just sees her shoes to the right and just it just breaks my heart. It broke his heart obviously and just him trying to like tie her shoes and couldn't and just 
holding her legs and then just sitting there on the ground. Like, oh, I was devastated. I was like, Taika Watiti, how could you do this to me? You're supposed to make us laugh. Oh, like, I, 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 uh, the best comedians are even better drama, drama actors, you know? Yes. And you could tell at that point, that's when you could care less about Hitler. Like that was, you realize that a country that can do this to his mother is not something that he wants to support. So he's, and then he starts rebelling against the imaginary Hitler. Right. And you can see Hitler got a little more crazy that when he was getting ignored, got a little more angry, a little more like the Hitler, the actual Hitler than his imaginary friend. Like I think even like going to far as like quoting speeches and dialogue from him, and he just he gets just mean to to Jojo and uh that yeah, it was it was just such a good moment. And then usually as the war goes through, and you get to, there was some like pretty heavy like war scenes in there you get to see like as he's going through the square and there's um bombs dropping and you get to see i thought we lost uh yorkie for a second like his little friend because his little friend gets handed a gun and just pushed into like the line of fire and i was like and then everything exploded and i was like they not just kill this boy and then kind of kind of jumping ahead you get to see that uh the boy did survive he's just like in like a tank top next to, like, a table to sit in there, and they get their reunion, and you can see that America won, and then he goes and initially doesn't want to tell Elsa that the war is over because he knows she'll leave, and that's all he has left, essentially. Like, he has no family anymore. He just has her. And he originally lies to her, and then they go out, and they had the little moment. Before that happens, though, Taika Waititi makes a final appearance as Hitler with the gunshot wound which i thought was an interesting touch and just yeah and then he gets to the the best line which was uh fuck off hitler and then just kicks him through a window like epically like uh this is germany essentially and then boots and then he gets to leave with the girl and they go out and she gets to find out and then she hits him for but it was like like a big sister hit because she even tells him like she loves him too, but as a brother, and he understands that. And all, like, it was, it was really sweet. Then they had that weird little like dancing bit, which I I liked the first time I watched it. Didn't like it so much the second time, but it was it was a nice ending. It was. It was I like it because it's a callback to the mom because she says, you know, you're freest and you're happiest in life when you're dancing or right. whatever. You can let things go, it, and then that's like he. They've just survived this really fucked up thing and everything and uh gets the opportunity to kind of let it go and they get to dance together and it's it was that was a really beautiful moment that got me for sure oh i don't want to derail the conversation but i just want to let you know that bernie sanders won new hampshire i saw i've been not saying anything just smiling over here like an idiot for like 10 minutes okay. we'll, we'll save that for another show but i i, I just thought you'd like to know but you already know because you're... We'll get back to that on Poor 360 next oh, week, you fucks. for sure. But yeah, so that was the end of JoJo. Another great film. I definitely think the fact that it won screenplay, which was a first for, um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it right, but a Maori, which is a native New Zealander, um, I think was pretty amazing. He had, gave a great speech. He little the fact that like the ground they were standing on belonged to these uh, Native American tribes. And I... I've, 
I think that was great. I'm glad it won something because it was definitely a movie that deserved it. The acting was great. The The subject matter was period but timely because it shows how um, fanaticism can could cause a problem and it can prop someone up that shouldn't necessarily. So it was very politically timed and I think it was great. And You know, people disagreed with the fact that like it's a, it's a um, it makes you empathize with Nazis, essentially, which I, I didn't see that because it shows that the ones that were true Nazis were the ones that got what was coming to them. The ones that had a sense of heart and a sense of uh, common sense about everything were the ones that survived and actually did a good thing. And I kind of, I kind of, uh, I kind of skipped over the fact that um, Sam Rockwell's character got a final um, great moment that was almost paternal towards uh, JoJo because they see him, because they see him in yeah. the hat and stuff, and uh, the Americans are gonna go shoot him because they were gonna kill all the Nazis essentially after the war was over, and um. They're in the line together, and he was talking about, like, they had a good conversation, and then he uh, he takes his hat and his coat off and kicks him and basically yells him to make him seem like he was just a Jewish person. Basically saved his life. And gave it that, He's like, oh, boy. that one last sacrifice. Even while the boy's crying and screaming because he come to respect and like that guy. He, he's Every time he's given the opportunity, he's helped his family. And he, he sacrificed himself in the end for him. So, yeah. Great movie. I I can't stop at it. Like the movies, I, yeah, these these movies that we've talked about today, like they they were just great. I I can't say enough about them. Yeah, man. I I uh, I like Jojo Rabbit. I thought it was really really solid. Uh, you know, my friend. I think we should probably dive. I know we wanted to talk about Joker, but I kind of think you and I should link up for JIC to discuss that movie. I'm like, yeah, we can definitely do thinking, that. Think, um, thinking about best utilizing our opportune time together. Yeah, because we're it's already uh, running a pretty long episode, and yeah, I we could use, if we end up talking about Joker and then the Oscars, we can be pushing three hours at that point. And yeah, so let's just uh, why don't we swiftly kind of work ourselves through this list of Oscar winners, yes. and then I can just like we'll close on just announcing the Razzie nominations, and and we don't really have to discuss that because they speak for themselves. Right, definitely. Let's let's do that. So, uh, do you have the list pulled up of the the Oscar winners? I, I I do have the list, and I can just start. Uh, I'm actually if you just Google. Oscar winners yeah. 2020. It gives you a nice little thing on your phone. Yeah, here. I, I have it up uh, now. I'm gonna too, start all so. the. I'm gonna start all the way at the back. Uh, best short documentary. The winner: Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony Hawk was actually at the Oscar. I think he was a producer on this. So good for. It, it, I heard it was a really good film. I didn't see any of the shorts, animated or otherwise. So, but still great. Same. Uh, best sound editing. Ford versus Ferrari, Donald Sylvester. Yeah, that was Ford versus another good movie. I, I I really enjoyed it. Good period piece. Good acting by Matt Damon and Christian Bale. That was up for best picture as well, yes. right? Okay. Best makeup and hairstyling go to three people for Bombshell. Yes, we have Kazuhiro Tazui, Anne Morgan, and Vivian Baker. Yeah. Still haven't seen Bombshell, but that make a, to turn these like well-known actors into the uh, the real-life Fox News anchors, I think, looked pretty good. 
I think they they got the looks, especially Charlize Theron. She looked entirely different. She was killing mm-hmm. it. I need to watch that movie. It looks like it's another very timely because it's Fox News. It's uh, Roger Ailes and yeah, definitely. I almost said Roger Stone, but that's entirely another person. And a whole other story we have to cover on Four Three Sixty next God, week. Yeah. I... Um. Oh. All right. Keep going. Best. Best film editing gives me the first time I've noticed that Parasite did not fully sweep at the Oscars. Correct. Because it did not win Best Film Editing. That went to Ford versus Ferrari's Andrew Buckland and Michael McCuster. Well deserved, but I can... I can... Uh, live action short went to The Neighbor's Window. I don't know where you can even find the shorts to see the shorts. Yeah. I wish... I know some movie theaters the will... Um... Let, do like uh, special screenings of like basically I think if you put all the shorts together it equals about a typical movie length like hour and a half hour 45 or something but like oh, I nice. feel like at the end like cause no one's gonna go like rent a short so I feel like they sh- the Oscars should just buy the the streaming rights to like put all the shorts out there to watch or some streaming yes. service should just do it because I think no one's making money off these shorts, but I think a lot of these should be seen. The same with the documentaries. I feel like those should be either made more ready available or they should be discounted on streaming platforms like Netflix should get some. You're singing to my heart, bro. I would love that. I love ingesting quality movies. And you know if the Oscars are paying attention to them, they have to have something special. Exactly. Uh, and, it, and it sucks that I don't get to see these animated shorts. I don't get to see the regular shorts or the live documentaries or whatever. Um, speaking of best animated short film, Hair Love is your winner in that category. I didn't see it, so no comment right. there. Um, moving on to best production design, a film that I think I'm watching this weekend. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you saw I it? I did. Thoughts? Uh, I quickly. I thought it was. I thought it was good. Um, Liz was a little disappointed in it because the way it's trailered and the plot of the actual movie are different. But this is another movie that has a crazy third act that I think you're going to dig. Okay. I know that there's a scene with Sharon Tate that's apparently really hard to watch, but other than that, the movie's pretty awesome. There isn't. But Really? No. That's that's what this one is, because it, it plays up in the trailer that Charles Manson and Sharon Tate are a bigger part of the movie than they actually turn out to be. Really? Mm-hmm. They're still... They're still pretty like main characters and their 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 plot weaves through the story but yeah they're not what you think's going to happen does not play out in this film it's teased but okay. it's a, it doesn't and i don't want to spoil more for it for you well i know history so th- i'm glad you can clarify that for me right. um <clears throat> let's work on the best costume design going to jacqueline duran for little women saw that movie it wasn't necessarily it wasn't it was in the lower half of my if i ordered all the best picture nominees it was on the lower part it's a great story but it just wasn't my thing but yeah that like civil war era costuming it was pretty spot on now for the category that brings us the biggest loser of the oscars in my humble opinion okay the winner of best visual effects is 1917 yeah I think Avengers Endgame got robbed. I, I agree. I think this was the chance to reward because no, um, yeah, uh, 
Highest grossing film ever has not won an Oscar, correct? Correct. Um, Until now. Yeah. The, the like This would have been perfect. I know at some point Kevin Feige is going to get an honorary Oscar for his work. That That's going to happen. But I think this would have been a way to reward because as it stands now between um, Joker and everything, there's an equal number of Oscars in modern superhero films for the MCU and the DC EU. If you could, if you give the two Oscars that DC has for um, Joaquin Phoenix and for makeup and hairstyling for Suicide Squad, and then you have the Oscars for Black Panther, those are the only ones that have been received up to this point for those superhero films. But yeah, I, I agree. This has been the chance to give give Avengers something because its visual effects were spot on. Like. That whole final part was all visual effects. Like the only other movie that 100%. I think I could understand getting visual effects to would have been Lion King, because that movie is a hundred percent CGI. Like, correct. But, but uh, go moving on to best. Oh, go ahead. No, Sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you. No, you're off. fine. Oh, I was just gonna move us on to best sound mixing, which went to 1917. So they got a couple off. Yeah, 1917 was. Um, was the favorite to win Best Picture? Like that, it was the one that was projected to sweep, given what it's won up to that point, because it got a lot of the other big awards going into the night. So, also really yeah, good. Yeah, it movie. also wins. It also wins Best Cinematography. Yes, Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins, who's done a lot of amazing films, he's doing. I think he was also the cinematographer for the upcoming Dune, so that's going to be pretty cool. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, because this the whole the cool thing about Night Seventeen was that it. It really pulls you in because there is, it it was it was kind of teased about that it's was like filmed like one continuous shot, but it's makes you feel that it's one continuous shot. Like you never, the camera moves with the people. You're never there's never a jump forward. It is the same. You're with the people from the moment the movie starts to the moment the movie ends. Like the camera will move ahead it's of like Birdman. Yes, very much like Birdman, and it really pulls you into that story. Love it. Uh, best original song goes to Elton John and Bernie Taupin for "I'm Gonna Love Me Again" from Rocket Man. Very sweet. And the fact the fact that uh, Bernie Taupin, who's been the long time, um, co- not not the composer, the person who did all the the lyrics, um, he finally gets an award that he can that he gets to have that's his own. He's not just associated with Elton John. So that that was pretty beautiful in the moment. Best Adapted Screenplay, we were just talking about the film that wins. It's Jojo Rabbit from Taika Waititi. Taika gave, like you said, a very beautiful speech. Yes. uh, Spot on. Uh, Best Documentary Feature went to American Factory. Yes, it is a Netflix film, so anyone can go watch that right now. It was also produced by the production company that Barack and Michelle Obama started, so that's, that's pretty cool, too. So they won an Oscar. I don't know. If, I don't know how the documentary would. I think it's awarded to like the, not the producers, but like the the people who made the film, like the gotcha. the creators. So they get they get the praise for like they'll get praise for it, but they don't get. I don't think their names are on it anywhere. Not like um like best picture goes to like the producers more than the, like the director and stuff. So still good. Totally. All right, now, best original screenplay. You're talking about it for the majority of the episode. I think you guys can understand why it wins best original screenplay as Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, and Han Jin-won 
win the their first Oscar of this evening, um, but was not their last to come. Yeah, and they kept thinking like it was this might be it because you can never know when you're with the Oscars like because that's why like the during the the ceremony he kept saying like I need to go get a drink, but if someone kept joking like he kept wanting a cot, so they kept handing him an Oscar. It's like ah uh, yeah yeah oh uh. Yeah, so we weren't done yet with Parasite because in for the first time ever, the international feature film, not best foreign language film, that's old, mm-hmm. best international feature film, Parasite also wins. Yes, which is also Amazing. the first uh, Korean film to win best international, well, to win like the foreign language film at the Oscars, so that's, that's really nice as well. <clears throat> Best animated feature went to Toy Story 4. Eh, I mean, I didn't see I, it. So, I saw yeah. it. It seemed um, definitely subpar compared to Toy Story 3. Um, I kind of thought it was maybe the time to award like How to Train Your Dragon because they haven't won anything yet. But it was fine. It was... I, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't anything special for me. Okay. Uh, moving on, best original music score goes to Joker, Hildur Gunnadotir. I think I yes, did it. Uh, uh, first female composer. Yeah, in a in a crazy twist, not only was she the first female composer to win an Oscar, we got the first female conductor conducting a song at the Oscars. Oh yes. Who happens to be who happens to be friends with Sarah? Wait, that lady was the. The conductor at the Oscars is one of Sarah's friends. Yeah, Sarah uh, is a pupil of hers. Actually, she did college stuff with her in uh, L.A. That's awesome. Well, good for that's, that's. Yeah, she also she also has done a lot of video game uh, music conducting. Oh, good for her. That's that's a for fun some of the six like six degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how my life did, is. Did I'm she did she know that lie. going in, or was she surprised on the day? She's totally surprised. She was like, what the fuck? That's Amir. <laughs> like, we we both kind of had a feeling as soon as they said the first female conductor, because she's kind of blowing up as, like, a very empowered woman and stuff. And Sarah's done some work for her uh, husband recently nice. with some video game arrangements and stuff. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very small, crazy, weird, weird world to, like, see pictures of their kid on my Facebook and, and shit, yeah, that's, you know? That's crazy. Well, good. That's good. It, it does make it a little more... Especially when you get to see someone you know succeed like that. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, let's move on now to best director. Yes. I honest to God thought that Quentin was gonna get it, man. Yeah, I. Because I feel like this is the award that eludes him. Right, because he's he's won screenplay twice for uh, Pulp Fiction and then for Inglorious Bastards, I believe. Yep. But yeah, he was, hasn't won director. I know. The contenders up there. I mean, he had Martin Scorsese, like, like the like when you think of a director, like he's up there for sure. Todd Phillips, oh yeah, I think had a long shot. People, people loved Joaquin Phoenix's photo. They they enjoyed the movie, but I don't think Todd Phillips is hard to break that comedic mold. Sam Mendes, nineteen seventeen. People thought he was gonna win, but yeah, not gonna say I wasn't happy. Bong Joon Ho deserved that prize for sure. Absolutely, Bong Joon Ho. Jun Ho winning Best Director. Move into Best Supporting Actress. I was surprised at this one as well. Yes. 
I felt very confident ScarJo was going to win this. I wanted her to win. I was more surprised when it wasn't her that it wasn't actually Kathy Bates. Not because I like her, but just I felt like they were going to give it to her. She's kind of the old uh, dog in the race here. Yes. But Laura Dern gets it in Marriage Story, and I don't know what role she plays in Marriage Story, if she's like Adam Driver's new girlfriend no, in the movie or something. No, she is Scarlett Johansson to... character's divorce attorney. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I will say, her. <laughs> she's also in Little uh, Women as the mom. I think her work in Little Women was much better than her work in Marriage Story. Interesting. But I think, but it's also, this is Laura Dern's first Oscar, and she's been acting forever, so... I think it might have been more of a career prize than a, specifically for the film, but I'm not, I'm not, that was nice. And the fact that, um, uh, she's like the, she's a child of Hollywood. Like her dad's Bruce Stern. Her mom was there. Who's also, was a big actress who's still working. Like yeah, it, it, it was, it was nice for them. I think it's also really interesting that in best supporting actress, you have, Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh, who are working together in Black Widow. Yes, along with some other so, big, like, nominated people. Because you had, um... Oh, yeah. Uh, Rachel Wise and... Yeah. Waiting for David Harbour to Ooh, get an Oscar yeah. nomination. He needs to do something dramatic. He's ready. Well, he does have a nomination we're going to talk about tonight, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. Um, Best Actress... I, again, surprised. I don't know who I thought was going to win. I think maybe in my head I thought Charlize Theron was going to come away with it. But then we got real-life Judy Garland on stage because I think Renee Zellweger has transformed into Judy fucking Garland. The way she was talking, I was like, what happened to her? Yeah, she disappeared for a while, then, like, came out, she had some work done, and then has, like, a thick southern accent now. Kind of a southern drawl a little bit. I heard yeah. her work in Judy is amazing, but I've heard nothing about the film. I haven't seen it. I I don't think I've even had a. Ch- I want to see it. I just haven't had a chance. I don't to think see I've it. even like seen a place to see. It. Like I don't think it ever came to theaters near me. I don't think I've ever seen it to, like rent yet. So I don't know. But apparently, she was amazing. If I in find it. a way to get a hold of it, I'll give it to you. Thank you. Yeah, I kind of thought it might, there yeah. might be a twist. I thought maybe like Cynthia Revo for Harriet because I saw the trailers for that movie and she looked like a standout in that movie, but. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people said Saoirse Ronan had an opportunity to win it as well. She, she was good at Little Women, and she's been in an uh, she's been nominated like four times, and she's like my age, so that's pretty crazy. She's like yeah, she had a couple noms last year. I can't remember what movie it was, but yeah, yeah, she's got like the past couple years I've been watching. She's been nominated. She was in a uh, Lady Bird, which I think was last year. That's right, Lady Bird. Yes, and she's been in other stuff like she was in Brooklyn and all like stuff. Other stuff I've seen that's she's got nominated for. But yeah, that was great. Um, moving on to supporting actor for you. Yeah, we're gonna go on to supporting actor here, where Brad Pitt takes home an Oscar. Is that his first Oscar? It is his first Oscar. So, wow. a lot, a lot of first. I think all four acting. All four uh, actors and actresses that won is all their first Oscar. Best supporting or best actress, actor, yeah. Because yeah, uh, Brad Pitt has an Oscar, but it's for producing 12 Years a Slave. So it's not like being recognized for his for his acting chops. So. His own works, yeah. Right. I kind of thought that Tom Hanks was going to take best supporting. I, I loved him in The Neighborhood. That was such a, such a good role. I, six Degrees, of, I'm going to blow your mind again. 
Uh, I will off air tell you that I also know somebody who is close friends with Fred Rogers. Of course you do. Not okay. Uh, it's it's a it's a crazy story. We'll talk about it off air because I really can't talk about it like publicly. Yeah, no worries. Um, best actor, Joaquin Phoenix, and also best speech of the night. The cow stuff was a little weird, but it was still a good speech. I agree. He he's definitely the very cow stuff vegan also was and very weird. like taking care of nature and all that. And him and his uh, girlfriend or fiance, they're both really big of that. And I think it's all understandable, but it it was a weird poem in the speech. But when he got like personal and talked about his brother, who's like the the, the famous uh, River Phoenix, and yeah, like it it was such a good speech. Hell yeah. And, and Leo still only has one Oscar. Right. And the this is the second Oscar for the character of the Joker, which is pretty intense. It's actually the fourth movie to win an Oscar with the Joker in it. Yes, counting the 89 Batman. Yep. Well, and, uh, yeah, 89 Batman. Suicide Squad. Yes, that is true. Yeah, can't believe People it. People like the Joker. Uh, oh, and then... <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And last, definitely, certainly, 100% most, not least, we spent the majority of our show talking about it. Best Picture goes to, for the first time in history, an international film, Parasite. Yes. Clap. Beating out 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, and Marriage Story, Parasite Rules All. Yes. Agreed. Soon as that was announced, my face was utter shock. Like genuinely, jaw hit the fucking floor. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. I, and then now I've seen it, and I understand. Yeah, because a lot of people like going into like didn't expect this film to win, and the fact that it did, and I think it was it was such a agreement. It's showing that I know as much as people say like the uh, Hollywood is very elitist and all that. The fact that they chose essentially like an underdog, a movie that they never really had to see. Like, they could choose to be um, not inclusive and just focus on the movies that they made. But the fact that they rewarded a film that was full of unknown actors in terms of Hollywood standards, with a director that the last big feature that involved, um, like, any Americans was Snowpiercer. But the, yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing, and I think it's showing that um, I think at least in the entertainment world that they're being more inclusive to to stuff out there that we're not accustomed to at this point. I think I think it was amazing. I think it was a, a great moment of the night. I absolutely and agree. The fact that um, Jane Fonda got to be the one to present, given how like a lot, she's been in the news a lot lately just because she is standing up for what she thinks is right and it doesn't mind getting arrested multiple times a week and having her be the one to show that like times they're changing and oh yeah i don't know that that was great and yeah i I think the the ceremony was good i loved the even the fact they were hosts again i think it still worked really well i loved the way the set looked i like how it flowed i loved the musical performances the surprised m&m performance was pretty great that was awesome. I marked the fuck out. I'm a huge Eminem fan. Oh, I am too. And I was driving in the car, and like they were talking about all the great movie music, and I was like, cool, cool, cool. And then all of a sudden, I heard 
dun, 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 you know, like to start to fucking lose yourself. And I was like, why aren't they doing the lyrics? And then like the second time it did it without the lyrics, I was like, Eminem is about to come out in this motherfucker right now. And he did. I was like, oh my God, yes. I, I knew it. Like, I knew like, right. Like that, like it was like when it showed like eight mile on the screen and for like the little like montage, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. I, I forgot that it was, uh, it was up for original song for that movie and then it got a lot of award consideration. Then also I'm like, also I just see like the, the kind of the lights go up and like a band start rising out of the ground. I'm like, there's no way. Oh God, that's, that's legit. Okay. And the fact that like, also did you notice that they let a shit get through? They, they tried. In, the, in, the people who were controlling the, the first beliefs, verse, but, but- and then they totally had to edit the second chorus or, or the second oh, verse because yeah yeah yeah. But I mean, like they should have known that going in. Like you bring Eminem. Eminem's not going to do the clean version on the Oscar stage. Nope. He's going to do it as written. You control the beeps. Yep. The, the guy who has to control because there's always a time delay on the Oscars. Like the guy who's just like beep 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 beep. I'm like, all right, you have your work cut out for you. Go have fun. <laughs> And the Morris code from Parasites back in bleeps from Eminem. Respect! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Uh, I will say the 92nd uh, Oscars is one for the record books, one for the memory books. We're going to talk about this one for a long time because I think it's going to start to really shift in the future. We're going to see more uh, international feature films getting nominated for this Best Picture, maybe winning again. We'll see. Yes. Uh, but let's quickly, because there's... Not a lot, but a lot. We're gonna. I'm just gonna fucking lightning fast speed around this motherfucker. I have the Razzie Award nominations. They haven't been given out yet, so we don't know who has won. Um, I'm gonna start from their Redeemer Award, which is usually an award given out to anybody who has previously earned a Razzie for doing a shitty job or acting in a bad movie or being a part of a production that was just horrible. Mm-hmm. That then did something that was so awesome they have to try to. Uh, they're essentially saying, we're sorry we ever gave you a Razzie. Here's another Razzie that says you're good. We're sorry. Um, So the Razzie Redeemer Awards are as follows. Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name. Keanu Reeves for John Wick 3 and Toy Story 4. Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems. Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers. And Will Smith for Aladdin. Train of Our Existence showing up real loud. Will Smith got a Razzie Redeemer Award for Aladdin? Yeah. Well... I, I saw... Wait, no, I didn't... Did I... I don't know if I actually saw Aladdin now. I have to... I don't think I did. I like, did I? <laughs> You're like, fuck, I actually have no opinion. Shit. I, I, thought, I, I, I don't thought know. I saw it, but I, I don't think I did. I don't know. I haven't seen it for sure. Uh, there's a new category that they just introduced, I guess, 2019, so I don't know if that's this year technically or last year technically worst reckless disregard for human life and public property in a movie dragged across concrete the, Mel Gibson the haunting movie? of sharon tate yeah a oh. uh, hellboy hmm. joker and rambo last blood joker got a razzie nomination regardless worst reckless disregard for human life and public property i'll, I'll agree worst remake ripoff or sequel okay Dark Phoenix. It's going to fucking win. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I don't think that's going to win because I heard that's really good. Hellboy with its second nomination already. A Medea family funeral. And Rambo Last Blood. 
Worst Screenplay, Cats, The Haunting of Sharon Tate, Hellboy, Rambo Last Blood, Worst Director, Fred Durst for The Fanatic, James Franco for Zero Phil, Adrian Grunberg for Rambo Last Blood, Tom Hooper for Cats, Neil Marshall for Hellboy with its sixth nomination already, fifth or sixth nomination already. Um, worst screen combo, any two half-feline, half-human hairballs from Cats. <laughs> Jason Derulo and his CGI-neutered bulge, Cats. Tyler Perry and Tyler Perry, or Tyler Perry and a Mattia family funeral. Sylvester Stallone and his impotent rage, Rambo Last Blood. John Travolta and any screenplay he accepts. <laughs> Worst screen combo. Worst supporting actor. <clears throat> James Corden for Cats. Tyler Perry for A Medea Family Funeral as Joe. Tyler Perry, A Medea Family Funeral as Uncle Heathrow. Seth Rogen for Zeroville. And Bruce Willis for Glass. Worst supporting actress. Jessica Chastain, Dark Phoenix. Cassie Davis, A Medea Family Funeral. Judy Dench, Cats. Uh, Vanessa Panetta, Rambo first or Rambo Last Blood, I think is what that's supposed to say. It says First Blood, but I, I don't think that movie just came out. I'm pretty sure the Last Blood just came out. Like... And Rebel Wilson for Cats. Yeah, they did not. I love this spoof they had quick of that in uh, the Oscars with Re with Rebel Wilson uh, and James Corden. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, worst actress, Hilary Duff, The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Anne Hathaway, The Hustle and Serenity. Uh, Francesca Hayward, Cats. Tyler Perry as Medea, a Medea family funeral. Rebel Wilson, The Hustle. Worst actor, James Franco, Zeroville. David Harbour, Hellboy. I told you he was getting nominated tonight. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey, Serenity. Sylvester Stallone, La Rambo, Last Blood. John Travolta, The Fanatic and Trading Paint, which I didn't know was a movie. Uh, a lot of these I didn't know existed. Final category, I do believe. Worst picture. Cats. The Fanatic. The Haunting of Sharon Tate. A Medea Family Funeral. Rambo. Last Blood. And that are your those are your Razzie nominees. Did Hellboy get a nomination year. for Worst Picture? No, it got a nominations for every other goddamn category almost, yeah. but not Worst Picture. Interesting. People did not like Cats. Well, the I fact that the Cats was released with unfinished special effects is kind of crazy. Yeah. They I think it would have been really fine. Sure. Just Tom Hooper, like, won an Oscar for Les Mis years back. I think he just... He should have been... They should have done costumes or scaled properly cats. They should they should have done one of the other, not this weird amalgamation of both that just was the thing of nightmares. Ugh. It was I never saw it. I had no interest in seeing it. No, it just the trailers are enough to shrivel my dick into the inner parts of my body. Right. Why is Ugh. why is the cat still coming out of his anus? Why is where is the I tail place there? Yeah, it was <laughs> obnoxious. Ugh. Well, man, I think we did it. We did. Could go a lot longer, it's but it's our longest it, special. Been, yeah, this is the longest one we've done yet. Usually, they stay under an hour, so crazy. But that, that will definitely be doing another special. We'll probably talk about something else. 
I'd love to get uh, the girls on here. I think that would be fun. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to pull teeth together. They got a couple of things in the fire right now, so their podcasting is taking a little back seat. I, I, but soon. I understand. We'll, we'll make it happen. Hell yeah, man. Well, as always, folks, you can check out Foodies Watching Movies right here on the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on Apple Music, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. We will be there. Or you can also pretty much search any of the other shows now. I've actually got tags on better for everybody, so it should be easier to find all the other shows on whatever sites you're using. Also, apologies to all of our Spotify users. For a brief time, we lost individual images for all the different podcasts that we release, and now two of the episodes have the wrong picture for some reason when they came back. Two of them uploaded weird, and I've got to try to fuck with that. I don't know if you guys will ever even notice that. But anyways, I digress. I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Foodies. AP, do you got anything else left for us? Bud. No, I have. I am spent. This has been a hell of a ride, but definitely all the love for this award season with all the movies goes to Parasite. That movie was a triumph and amazing, and I can't say enough about it. I absolutely agree. All right, folks. Well, if that's going to do it for this special episode of Foodies Watching Movies, I've been Nate. And I'm Andrew. As always, folks, eat fearless. Later. <laughs>